just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. My name is Richard Miller. Uh, I'm uh, I'm here in good old the U of K. And um, across the pond, the man, the myth, the second person to speak on this here podcast, Dr. Luke, Luke Lely Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. I'm calling here from the sunny beaches of Calgary, Alberta, as always. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm okay. I'm a little bit uh, a little bit delicate this weekend. It's been a lot of disruptions uh, to my sleep pattern, both uh, actually all from my own choosing and my own doing as well. So uh, no sympathy for Doctor Luke Ludwell here. <laughs> well, none will be offered, so don't don't worry about it. Oh, rich. <laughs> no, I'm I'll, I'll I'll you know if if. If it comes up, I'll, I'll nurse and soothe your, um, you know, your, your your sore head and, um, you know, bruised pride. Don't worry about it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it comes to that, I'm hoping we 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 avoid, you know, the full the full weight of that during the uh, the podcast record. But you never know. You never know. Um, before we get started, I'd like to promote another excellent podcast on the ERL network. Uh, this is another one of my favorites. I'm sure it's one of yours, Rich's S Town. So join uh, Wednesday legend Phil King as he shows us the bright lights of his beloved Swindon, provi- pro- proving the tourism Swindon board claim of there are a number of things to do in Swindon, 100% correct. Uh, throughout the period process, he talks about how Swindon is not as good as Sheffield, and he talks about his time at Sheffield Wednesday as well. Another great, another great podcast on this uh, this burgeoning, uh, beautiful, booming network that we call Airal. It's really incredible, isn't it? Such a rich variety. Um, you know, people just thought it was going to be lots and lots of of podcasts a lot like this where just you know boring men talk about Sheffield Wednesday but actually just such you know such scope and depth to uh to what you can cover on on these podcasts and uh I mean S-Town prime example uh spoiler alert but when you find out that Phil King has pierced nipples lordy it's uh (laughs) it's quite a moment I I guess it really um it, it did turn my experience I'll be honest. What a twist. What a twist. What a nipple ring twist. Yes, which he strongly advised against. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, after your... Uh... Have you ever been to Swindon? Oh, I think I have, but it's the sort of place that uh, I think you can visit and, and maybe not, not remember a huge amount about. That's fair. Yeah. I, I'm almost certain I have. But um, did you visit Phil King's pub, The Dolphin, in Swindon? I didn't. See, that would make it more memorable. I should, I should have, uh, I should have penciled that in, really, shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Next time, next time. I mean, there is a two episodes on uh, The Dolphin. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that kind of makes me feel like I've been there already. Yeah. But just saying, it'd be nice to see it with my eyes as well. Lots of lovely, like um, Radio Four esque 
pub sound effects, you know, like clinking glasses and, and, and glugs pouring, glug, 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 you know, it's very uh, evocative, isn't it? It is, it really is. The, the, it's the theatre of the mind radio, you know that? It, it certainly is. <laughs> so, um, with our contractually obliged uh, plug uh, out of the way, um, I feel sensible to uh, to move on to our, our uh, regular feature. Breaking hoo-hoos. Breaking hoo-hoos. Another, you know, I keep saying this, but what a, what a week to be a Wednesday fan. That's, it's uh, all been, um, I for something that I thought that, <clears throat> you know, we're typically as Wednesday fans, I think as any kind of football fans, you're very... You're very impatient, and the summer is such a long drag, even with a a degree of an international football tournament or whatever we had with the the League of Champions, the League of uh, Champions. <laughs> yes. What is it? Yes. You know, the that's, National uh, League of Champions. Yeah, that's and the full of course, title. The, uh, the, the Women's World Cup, which we all... Love. The Women's World Cup, yes, which was yeah. fun. I enjoyed. I enjoyed that a lot more than um, anything men's international football related. But anyway, it feels like a long, long summer break. It feels like a long time mm. from when the season wraps up, and then you know, there's a few little bits of rumblings, and the players are still around for another week, and then you know, they have the end of season player awards and all that stuff, and it's. Yeah you know, slowly beds into them eventually going on vacation and just begins this this genial radio silence of nothing from the club. But, you know, since we did our first podcast, which was with the, um, on the eve of uh, cusp of Steve, uh, Steve yes. Bruce yeah. departing and snaking and sliving his way up to the <laughs> Northeast, um, it really felt like everything was going to grind to a halt with just, it just felt... Mm. And the club works in very mysterious ways. And we don't really, I don't know. There's like an interesting concept, which is, you know, do we as football fans of Sheffield Wednesday, do we get more news than other football fans from different clubs? Or, it, But it, people seem to say there's not much communication from the club. I suspect that most fans feel like they could, could and should know more. And then yeah. whether that's an actual real thing, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> most companies are not giving out the sort of information that football clubs are are seemingly required to give out. Mm. Uh, so it's a, it's a tricky line, isn't it? It's a special relationship being a fan of a team. Um, because, you know, if you're shopping, you just go to the place that provides the product, the best product for the best price. So we mm. don't know. We'd all we'd all end up somewhere weird like um, Stoke or something like that, if um, if we were playing that game. <laughs> but that but football is not a business, but football clubs are businesses. So it's a it's just a strange um, clashing of the two worlds, isn't it? And, and sure, but it's it's a weird spectrum of like in terms of information. How 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 happy are you with X amount of information? Mm. But Problem is, it's a known, you know, it's no knowns, known unknowns, unknown unknowns. Yes, we, you know, the stuff we know that we don't know, but the stuff we don't know that we don't know. Yes. Well, I mean, to me, it seemed like all three of the deadline day signings were were out of the blue. 
There was no kind of yeah, and this is the interesting any of those before we signed them. Well, that's an interesting kind of spectrum with kind of uh, like football media and rumors turning into full transfers, as some which have just been long and protracted, and it's well known and it's played out in the media. Um, probably for the purposes of, uh, you know, football agents mm. trying to kind of um, do a little bit of manipulation of hands, you know, behind the scenes through the public eye, basically. Yes, yeah. And we can all think about, like, long-winded, protracted transfers. So I guess the one of this and, like, a more prominent level, you know, is Harry Maguire. Yes. Maguire has uh, finally gone to... Well, one of the Manchester clubs, but it looked like it was um, Manchester United were batting their eyelashes pretty heavily over that one. It's um, um, the Sheffield Wednesday supporting Frankenstein, that is Harry Maguire. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> the man who we summer. used to think, yeah, and the man who we used to think is a young player playing for the uh, the Oinkers across the road um, had the turning circle of a small tanker. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a, but you know, a man who's uh, fair play has made an incredible career for himself since then and has just kicked on and now is um, an exceptionally overpriced defender. Yeah, I think he's a good, I do think he's a good player. English players are always overpriced. Um, but yeah, that's sort of, that's the sort of one extreme of the, of the transfer window thing. Mm. You know, there was a lot of, back and forth and I think probably for about a fortnight it was pretty obvious it wasn't going to be City anymore it was definitely going to be Man United but then it still took a long time to get a price agreed mm-hmm. it still took a long time you know ideally I'm sure Man United would have wanted their new star centre-back potential captain etc to be in the door for pre-season tra- training and, and matches mm. Everybody mm-hmm. feels comfortable around this new style player, um, but you know, even with all that sort of all all parties being willing, it didn't happen, uh, mm-hmm. and it seems in a similar sort of vein. All summer, we've had a, the the pr- prospect of Michael Hector either rejoining mm-hmm. own or or signing permanently, and that's not happened. And I suppose with the passage of time. It allowed a different situation to pop up in that in that he seemingly has a a tacit agreement agreement in place to go to Fulham uh, come January, mm-hmm. but that's a guy that's in his prime and is going to lose six months of football uh, yeah. because so just didn't get sorted out. To draw a long protracted circle back to the point I initially made, yes. the long protracted circle, much like the turn of Mister uh, Harry Maguire, the eighteen point five million pound uh, defender um in terms of information coming out in terms of like news for the club i think we've been astonished like the past kind of four weeks that we've been doing this podcast the past month or so like how much news has come out on a weekly basis and the things that have happened yes so i am astonished with the level of uh going into this week the transfer window the level of business that we've done has been pretty phenomenal yeah, I, I think the quietness of the summer was uh, added to by the embargo as well. So having that lifted, so that was a kind of uh, talking about known knowns and known unknowns. So it's like there was talk of us making moves for players, but until 
that was out of the way the the the, the transfer embargo it, it was all kind of paper talk because it couldn't become real so it's nice to know that there was lots of work going on in the background despite the fact we couldn't officially do anything um clearly we were we had lots of irons in lots of fires because mm-hmm. the business we've done has been brilliant as as far as we can tell so far it is so with that let's get into um we could overdo like an, an overall kind of review maybe we could just talk about the transfers this week yeah the first one is um, our out. I guess the only out, with the exception of um, uh, Steve Snicky Bruce going yes. um, going up to uh, Geordie Land, um, and that is Lucas Shaw. Um, yes. Or you know, as I as we've been known to call him, affectionately, Rich and I, uh, we have known him from um, Rob Statton's uh, former BBC Radio Sheffield journalist. Um, strange, but probably very accurate pronunciation of Shuao, um, which we came to call him Jay Wow. Yeah. Um, after everybody's favorite character from Jersey Shore. <laughs> um, so he's left the football club. It's difficult to swallow. Um, fortunately, he leaves his compadre stripe partner and friend, his Kosovan Snooky at the new who behind, <laughs> um, a player who I think we would have liked to have seen go alongside Mr. Sam Winnell. But I, I think the the dynamic here is um, who's really going to pay top money for your um, for your chaff. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think, uh, well, I, I was going to leave this for sort of a comment towards the end of the uh, talking about the signings as a whole. But I think this transfer window overall, it seems like we've shown a level of savvy that maybe we've lacked before. Um, it, you know that paying massively over the odds for Jordan Rhodes has has given mm-hmm. us a problem that not only affected his first season or first half season with us, but it, it, it's still hanging over us the fact that we paid too much money for a player that was over the hill and out of form. Um, this summer, thankfully, we we seem to have shown a, been a bit more smart about things and. Uh, Hopefully, we'll, we're going to see the rewards of that. Um, so, yeah, one of those is we played the. It looked like we played the JWoww situation and the road situation. We were never going to get rid of both of them, but we were waiting to see which one was the best deal for us. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, with uh, with Lucas Schwal, we uh, we got more than double what their initial bid was from Reading. So. Mm. That's you know that wasn't happening before. I think we've certainly, you know, for want of a better, um, a, a more uh, tasteful image, we've we've had had our pants down previously in some of our our, our transfer dealings, and it it really felt like <laughs> <laughs> never a never a crasser but truer word spoken. <laughs> um, but this time it feels like we were the ones pulling the pants down. <laughs> We were the pantsers as opposed yes. to the pants, pantsies. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. But it, this, it, is, it, this is refreshing, Rich, because I feel like I'm the one who says something that's mildly problematic. Always. You know, I feel like I'm the problematic bay of the, uh, of the <laughs> podcast. So I, was, I was really, really pleased to just uh, have a leg. You know, you pull one back. Yeah, you pull, a, pull a goal back from a free goal lead. I'm being problematic. <laughs> um, 
So I guess that's the interesting thing. So um, on a more serious note, I mean, it's, it's frustrating to see him go uh, because he's a player that can just offer something so different. You know, he's had this great super sub impact, like we've mentioned. You know, as a stat that we said, I think it was since like 2015, 2016, he scored 15 goals as a sub in the championship, which is more than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we saw that from his cameo at Reading. Like, he was... Wow, he just he took the ball out to Jay Wow indeed. Um, took the ball out to the corner, you know, drew a lot of fouls, wasted some time. Just generally took the uh, the Mickey out of their their defenders, and then just near the end, like everyone's begging them to run it out to the corner. Hutch kills in a pass. He takes a touch and definitely just swivels and knocks it past uh, the Reading keeper. And um, that was his last thing he did in the Sheffield Wednesday shirt before ironically going on to the club he scored against. Yes, yes. He, yeah, undoubtedly, he can pull, he can pull a rabbit out of a hat. He has a lot of uh, physical gifts. I, mm. I do think, um, so last week we were both sort of saddened by the prospect of him leaving. But the, the week before that, I was sort of saying, well, he is getting to the point in his career because he's, he's 27 in October, I think. Um, he's getting to the point where he's not a prospect anymore. He is this player. Yes. And they're just, even last week in our praise, we said, you know, what follows this brilliant cameo from the bench is a star where he does nothing. He disappoints. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's a shame to lose him. And if you, if in an ideal world, we, you know, we've got, the strikers we have are Stephen Fletcher, who is going to be our first choice. He's in some ways irreplaceable. Um, Ati Nuiu, who is frustrating, but I think we might get to this later, but I think with those that, the pace around him, we might see a bit of a rejuvenation of, of Ati Nuiu because I think when I think he could drop in as that target man right. as, as and when we need him to. Who and plays a kind of striker foil in the exactly of feeds three. those two yeah. nippy players, takes the guys out of the middle, and then gives them more room to run in behind. I can absolutely see that happening because you can't. There's certain things you can't do when you're playing against Ati Nuiu because of his physical ability. Um, he forces the defense to to play a different way, and if they if he's able to kind of at, at least do that, be a nuisance and 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 move the ball on. He'll let the players that are more gifted and quicker do that. Yeah. Thing. Uh, in terms of um, another one that was rumored out was Jordan Rhodes, who um, yes. seemed like Norwich were batting their eyelids at uh, certain paces, you know, throughout the thing, and then seemingly weird evaluations from us in terms of selling on, and then maybe from what I'm hearing, from what's kind of been put out in the media, um, they kind of really undercut and did a real lowball offer yeah. of possibly a free transfer at one point. So we're kind of like, we want him, but we don't want him that much. And I guess a similar idea of like, we want to sell him, but we don't want to sell him that much. So we're on two different kind of spectrums with us in Norwich um, for in terms of Jordan Rhodes. The thing that I want to say about Jordan Rhodes from last time is the thing that really kind of upsets me about Jordan Rhodes and the nature is, I mean, obviously he's our, he's our record signing. Yes. And it's just been an absolute unmitigated disaster. I think really more fairly for... I, I, I'm still 
I think the thing for Wednesdayites is how good is Jordan Rhodes? And I don't feel like we ever really know because we bought him in as a stopgap as that player to kind of push us over the edge yeah. for promotion. This was the season where we lost in the semi to Huddersfield. Yes. A season that's so underwhelming that I think on a previous podcast, I think I completely forgot about that season. I think I scanned past it. I think I said whole yes, playoff you final. Did, you did. <laughs> and I did. Yeah, it was just I, I wiped it from memory because, um, you know, that was obviously the, the year that uh, Carver Hall, previously we put the meat on the fire. Now certainly we're um, putting the, we decided to put the meat in the slow cooker um, as a, you know, as an antithesis to uh, going at it. You know, that, that second that was, season uh... was very defensive. There was so little meat on the fire that um, the lady from that Wendy's advert was going around. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? <laughs> ah, yeah, sorry. So the, the point I was getting is like he was brought in as a stopgap to kind of help us get up. But yes. yet still with the dynamic, a lot of people at the time said, we don't really seem to play the football that brings or needs in a Jordan Rhodes in that strike force. When he didn't, he seems to be a player who kind of wants it kind of whipped into him. He wants a lot of service. We never seemingly played a great deal of width on the Carvajal or without and out wingers per se. Yeah. He didn't particularly like that. So we never really pr- provided any great level of ammunition to see if he can, you know, fi- kind of fire stuff in. And his other regarding play isn't kind of strong enough to be like, oh, he's a player who gets around. You know, he doesn't do what, like, Fletcher does. I think the thing that's upset me so much, the point I was initially going to make, and which I've, yeah. I've rambled and deviated from greatly with a great, you know, with a Maguire turning circle, is... Um, <laughs> I've lost... I've forgotten them, yeah. I've come so far away from it that I've forgotten and lost my complete train of thought whatsoever. Um, the thing that upsets me about Jordan Rhodes, here it is. You've been waiting for it. Okay. You've been waiting for this. It's really good. If you're sitting down, you want to stand up for this. If you're standing up, you'll okay. want to sit down for this. I might need um, Okay, you're going to do that like a Colin Kaepernick. Yes, please. Yes, please. Sounds <laughs> fantastic. We've never been able to afford to find out whether he's good enough. So here's the thing. So we had that period, and it's like, well, it doesn't seem to be working on the Carvajal. Let's ship him out on loan. Yeah. You know, he's gone to... Went to Norwich last year for a full season. And... And now it's the kind of mentality is like, he's our record signing, but yeah, we can't afford to have his wages because it was too speculative to kind of keep us in this division. So now we, we can't afford to have him at the club. So we're, our arms are already turned, our arms are already twisted on this one. Like we can't yeah. afford, we seemingly can't afford to play him. So I'm actually refreshing that the transfer didn't happen because now we get a chance to say, well, John Rhodes, I think, isn't going to play a lot of games. He's not going to play every week. He wouldn't yeah. be the first day on the on the team sheet up front, which I would say is Fletcher. And especially since like the first two games, we've gone away with a four five one four three three, kind of you know that defensive kind of attacking melange mix. Yes, is melange a word or is it just I've been in Canada so long that I see French words and I think that they're actually French words that are used in English? I think it is a word. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Thank you. I don't know if it means what you're using it for, but it's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's most words out of my mouth. I think that's how it works, right? Um, but anyway, Jordan Rhodes, and then uh, from home from the Barnsley game, we will review later after the transfer window coverage. 
um, we played a four three three. So he's not. I, I don't know. It, it also, I was going to ask you in terms of strikers now at the club. Do you think Jordan Rhodes can play that central central striker in the foil striker in the four three three? I I don't. I I I've got very little time for this idea that Jordan Rhodes has not been given a chance at Sheffield Wednesday. I Do you think, think this is a a new? Um, this is a new Phoenix from the Flames kind of concept of like yes. the old days of like Franny Jeffers being like, well, if he played for like Doncaster at the time under Sean O'Driscoll, yes. oh, yeah, well, so many goals because they play such amazing football. I think it's absolutely that because I, I've sat and watched him have chances and miss chances and not. It's almost like I, I think he's really in in bad form. So that's a that's a part. Yeah, of it. yeah. But I've also seen no signs that he is going to break himself out of said form. Um, so do you think still having Jordan Rhodes on the books is a missed opportunity, or are you still are you a little bit like me? I'm slightly optimistic that he's still around at the club. I I think there might be times where he helps. I think, but they are going to be quite limited. I think it's going to be more like, so yesterday, for an example, I would say the job he was asked to do yesterday, he is borderline hilariously bad at. I've never (laughs) seen someone less (laughs) suited to being a target man than Jordan Rhodes appears to be. Like, how he gets the timing so, so wrong for a ball that is straight down the middle of the field. I don't know. And it it makes me think that he doesn't want to win it. It's not that he can't win it, because how can you be somebody that times a ball, a, a very quick cross coming into the box, times that perfectly, and yet you can't see something moving much slower from much further away and 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 can't figure out where that is going to land to the point where you miss it by sometimes 12 maybe more feet. I I just, I don't, so where I think he's got a a usefulness and and where I I think it, it actually looks like if you look at how much he played for Norwich last year, it's kind of those games where maybe it's two one and you're, you're losing two one and the minutes are running out and you're just chasing it. uh, You know, talking about meat on the fire. One of those situations where it's like, let's just give everything a go and there, I think Jordan Rhodes is a useful addition to throw into that box because hopefully you're going to cause some chaos in there. There's going to be situations where the ball just drops on a plate and he is, a hopefully, that's where he can still do what he does best. I haven't seen anything that lead, makes me think he can lead the line. I haven't seen much that makes me think he can score anything other than tap-ins. And pretty much all the goals he got for Norwich last year were kind of scrambly, bundling it over the line type goals. I I was surprised that Norwich wanted to buy him because they didn't play him very much and he didn't score very often for them, particularly after Mm. Christmas. He did next to nothing. Um, So it doesn't surprise me that they were a bit half-hearted in their interest because seemingly they they were pretty half-hearted about his performances when he was there. Um, Yeah. So... I'd love to be wrong, but we're now, I just don't, 
I don't buy this idea that right. we should build a team around him and he's not. Yeah, okay. That's... How do you, so I feel like a lot of people have been saying, you know, I've listened to the commentary again and I feel like Rob O'Neill and uh, John Pearson were saying this as well. And I've, you know, I've seen this, this idea around running around in social media and fun message boards with the concept now that some of the signings that we have a lot of pace and we have a lot of width and a lot of service from the wings. Can you ever see us uh, diverging to a four four two where Rhodes plays alongside another striker and then get some service coming in from the width, from wide? Well, like I say, possibly there'll be those games where you're chasing, you know, it's 1-0 and you've, they've just sat back, um, you know, or it's late in the game. It's, you know, games where we are just like, okay, let's just throw everything at it and, and have a go. Mm-hmm. You probably will end up playing in those situations. All right. But uh, the thing so is, much like it, much like it. Where, but you, it's just frustrating. I think people have these pictures of players in their mind, and it's almost like they don't ever get shifted. And I'm sure I've got mm. bits of that as well. But I would watch games where there'd be three or four very good crosses into the box. I mean, when we had George Boyd playing, I don't think either of the wingers are as good at crossing a football as George Boyd is. From from what I saw yesterday. No, they're, they're 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 wonderful athletes, but they are not going to put a ball on on. Well, th- they might because of just sheer numbers of crosses, but I've seen Jordan Rhodes miss free headers closer to the goal than the penalty spot. Nobody around him, and he puts it wide, or he puts it at his feet, or d- I've seen him do that so many times. Yeah. I just don't. I just don't think. I mean, maybe he'll get one more chance in the game, or or two mm-hmm. more chances, and maybe if he gets three chances, he'll or four chances, he'll score one of them. But I just don't suddenly think he's going to become. I think he's a. I, I think he's injury troubles before we signed him, and I think probably before he went to Borough as well. To be honest, he's just not the player that we all have in our heads from that sort of amazing game where he scored four against us in uh, um, for Huddersfield. And broke but, our hearts against us. Yeah, that but that guy had some game. pace. That guy had a turn of speed. This guy does not have anything at all. He's weak. He's slow. But, you know, as I say, I think if given the, you know, a six-yard box chance... <laughs> The ball pops free. He had a little cameo moment. Um, Hutch's shot uh, that was that was sort of palmed away by the keeper. Yep, yep. I remember um, that. I saw that one. So I think what Rhodes does is he gets it on target in that situation. That was well cleared. But he made sure he like beat the goalie and he got it on target. So there will be those situations where I think he'll, he will get goals occasionally given time on the pitch. Mm. It's just how much we can afford to essentially carry a player, be playing with 10 men until we get to the six-yard box because he doesn't do anything else for the team. So in true uh, different gravy fashion, we've gone and <laughs> l- l- ruminated and lamented at great length. Yes, we, we've managed to find the sadness in an absolutely tremendous week. Yeah. <laughs> to, to talk about our thing. So anyway, basically, so Lucas Giada's gone, and it's a sizable fee, so it sounds good. It sounds a good package. You imagine with Chen Siri, it's got to be a good offer for him to sell, so he's gone. Um, finally, on the outs, I want to say good luck to Mr. Connor Kirby. I hope that, like his 
pink Nintendo namesake, he inhales and consumes more minutes in development in the process. <laughs> so good luck to Connor Kirby at the Silkman Macclesfield Town. Beautiful. Um, and let's go on to let's talk about. I'm sorry, Rich. Sorry. So, right, please carry on. The last, the last good thing with the with the Zhao transfer is um, supposedly we have a twenty percent sell-on clause. So yes. If in that scenario where he goes and goes great guns for six months or a season and gets sold on for twenty million pounds, we're going to get a nice little chunk of change. Yeah, so four million in our back pockets. Oh yeah. To spend in our next disappointing striker. <laughs> Yes. Right. Anyway, let's do this. Let's do the end. So we've already covered and talked about the arrivals of Kadeem Harris, Julian Borner, and Moses Odebaju. I think I'm learning to pronounce Moses Odebaju's surname pretty correctly. That sounded beautiful, actually. It sounded lyrical. Yeah. So this week we have a whopping four new additions. Um, first up is um, before the flurry of deadline, the trio of deadline day signings. Um, experienced lower league stopper, Mr. Paul Jones. Yeah, <laughs> I had so, completely, I completely <clears throat> forgotten about Paul Jones. To be honest, haven't we all? Haven't we all? We're, so um, he's essentially brought in to play to be on the bench today. Uh, the, yesterday is that it? Well, as I've, I've put in my notes here, I said it's nice to have a body come and prop up those numbers. Uh, we may never, we never, uh, we may never see him put on some gloves on the pitch outside of warming up. Yeah, but a warm Wednesday welcome for you to warm up the Wednesday bench, Mister Paul Jones. Oh, yeah. Warm the cockles of that bench. And uh, as, as we know, top 40 Joe, Joe Wildsmith is out injured, so he's uh, he will be taking that kind of... Uh, not even the main bench. It's a sub-bench, right? Mm. Yeah. I wish when we said bench, it was literally just a bench. Like, you know, like the benches you get at a primary school for PE. It's what I picture. I know, but actually, they're more like the, the, we're now going into. There's so much redonkulous amounts of money in football, so now we have to give people like um, these kind of like uh, gaming driving chairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, yeah. I don't know. They, they, I would, and I'd want I'd only want like one of those. It. It, it like heats it and then like you know vibrates for a little massage Ooh. as well. Yes. This um, is it. And if they don't do that, then now as the assistant to Tony Strodwick, it'll be my uh, second recommendation I'll be giving to the, to him outside of banning, banning, banning chips. Oh, an outright ban on chips. You're getting worse. Outright ban on chips. I'm getting... Uh, maybe I'm getting too much like uh, Yas Lukai, I think. You are. I think it's, it's worrying. How's your tash coming in? Um, well, it's already there because I, I have like you know a bit of a beard thing, so I just need to shave it down and then, okay, you know, it's a bit of like a Darth Vader reveal, I guess. Oh yes, well, I look forward to that day. Um, look to that cool trilogy. Much... <laughs> yes, there's not much to say really on price, is there? But um, you know, as you say, welcome, welcome aboard. Did you call him Price? Oh, is it not Price? <laughs> no, it's Jones. <laughs> Jones. Well. <laughs> I call him uh, I call him Jones the Glove. I love it, Jones the Glove. That's a brilliant. That's his nickname. <laughs> uh, um, gravy, gravy exclusive. You have it here. Let's go into our flurry of transfer deadline yeah. day signings. The trio, and first up, you know, we talked about this. Um, like no great long protracted transfer dealings. Everything seemingly coming up very quickly, and then 
And this one, I think the rumors kind of came up the day previously. Um, this was Massimo Luongo. Yes. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that much about him. I, I've clearly watched him play against us a few times for for QPR, but then I got very excited hearing him uh, give his interview because. I think we were sort of debating back and forth whether he's a kind of holding guy. I thought he was mm. a bit more creative than that. He seems to have got some goals for QPR. So um, he describes himself as box to box, and and an, I think he's even called himself an all action midfielder on his little interview. <laughs> oh, <laughs> love it! <laughs> yeah, um, action so he man. He likes a bit of both. He loves a tackle. He loves a goal. What's not to like? Oh, loves it all. Loves it all. Box to box midfielder is my favorite favorite term in oh. football. B to B. B to B. It's just where yeah. He's like, you know, there's like there's action in the box. There he is, and there's action in the box. There he is as well again. Yes, again. Yeah. You know, it's like the Carmen. They're like um, it's like the Carmen San Diego. They're just kind of <laughs> uh, just whipping where? completely. I don't know. Where? Where in the world is Massimo Luongo? <laughs> in Sheffield, Hillsborough. That's where he's at. Yeah. Unless we're playing away at Stoke or Luton. And then he's there as well. Absolutely. Ghosting into the box. I don't think anybody ghosts into the box as well as Mr. Kieran Lee, let's just say. Oh. Um, how, and we'll get on to just how beautiful <laughs> and incredible that man is <laughs> late, later in the show when we review the Barnsley game. But... Uh, so, but that's the interesting thing with with Luongo. So, I I did a bit of digging, and it, it seemed to be that basically, I think I saw a goals and assists reel for him for the yes. seventeen eighteen season. So, okay. apparently, the reason why you probably haven't seen one for eighteen nineteen, which he got like three goals and two assists, I think, okay. last year, they asked him to play like a deep holding, I see, defensive, bit more of a little bit of a little bit of a playmaker kind of role. Yes, so. People were. I, I heard someone compare him a little bit in that aspect to a little bit of like Alex Lopez. Okay. Someone who can kind of keep things kind of ticking over, but I, I think he can also be. He can be the action mass that we talk about. Action mass. Um, which is like a play on action man, not just like a blob. That's like really dynamic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think he can be that box-to-box player. He can get up and down the pitch. Uh, apparently, he doesn't have much pace, but he has a lot of energy. Yeah, he didn't look too bad pace. So he had a little 10-minute cameo. Um, he did. Word up. Was, that was, it was very, yes, yeah. It was, I was really... It was very pleasing, I've got to say. It, mm. it, it um, you know, describing himself as, a, as an action midfielder, or all-action midfielder, um as advertised uh his first thing he did was was close down a defender and uh make a chance which he um yes he could have maybe done a little bit better with but it was literally the second time he touched the ball <laughs> since coming on the pitch so i'll i'll forgive him um but then he similarly broke something up near the our box and then sort of played it forward um just looks and he looks like he's got a bit of a trick he looks quite strong yeah, um, there was a bit where he kind of dropped his shoulder when we he, we looked like we were going to kind of hold it in the corner, and he he dropped his shoulder and turned to two of their men and made a bit of a a chance out of that as well. So mm. 
Yeah, exciting times, and completely out of nowhere. I mean, there's not been any talk of us no. being linked with him at all. <laughs> and uh, I think apparently QPR wants to kind of get rid. He's kind of like a relatively high earner. Mm. Last year, contract, I've heard rumors of around a million. I also heard something else saying he was a free, but uh, whatever it is, I think it's a good bit of business. Um, looking at some of the comments from the QPR fans, you know, there's there's naturally sometimes a bit of bitterness and a bit of yes. oh, always crap anyway. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, that kind of mentality. Um, some of them seem to say that he does seem to get some disruptions in his fitness when he goes off on um, international. international leave. Right, he goes to plays for uh, the Socceroos in Australia. Because that his um, he had a surprising uh, nomination for the Ballon d'Or, didn't he, a few years ago? And that was um, <laughs> did he really? Yeah, that was due to his efforts for for the the national team. I think he's really a bit of a. a, bit of <laughs> I, a like said, I like how you said efforts, as though I was thinking about like <laughs> someone who receives a an OBE like for their charity efforts. Yes. Yes. There we go. His bonza efforts for the national team, might. <laughs> um, no, I think he had a um, like a world whatever the one the weird one where it's like one team from Asia, one team from Europe. Can't remember what they call it really, but um, Gold Cup or something like that is it called? What I was going to say, what uh, what League of Champions is this? Exactly, yeah. Well, it is. A, it's very much a kind of made up league of wonder wonderfulness. Um, but I think he had a tournament of that where that was the only sort of football, big international football in the summer. And I think he got like, man alive, I'm doing a lot of guessing here. But it's like, uh, it was like four goals and three assists or something crazy like that um, in, in about in five or six games. He, like they got to the semifinals and he was very much the star man for them. Um, I love this, Rich, because it's it's completely new it's to me. Unbelievably it sounds, speculative. It sounds incredibly fictitious. It sounds like <laughs> you just sounds like you're just improvising this. <laughs> he did this on FIFA. <laughs> in fact, I would like a section in this podcast, Rich, where we just improvise player stats for someone. <laughs> and like, and then they went on loans to Lincoln, and they got five goals, and seventeen appearances. Two are from the bench. <laughs> I did pick up a red card and two yellows. We can just do that. That sounds good. I like it. <laughs> oh dear. I've just um I've just searched <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just searching to I could gotta back this up now, you see. You've you've called me out on this. Um, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. When I put in Longo, um one of the Google suggestions was toilet break. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna need to. Uh, need is to... that um, is that not to do with um, Luongo, the um, the goaltender? There's a French Canadian hockey goaltender, um, Luongo, who used to play for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Oh, anything to do with him? Did he? That could be. He, that could be. Did he have to go and to... have a have a, num- a number two in the middle of a hockey? Ice hockey game. Uh, it doesn't bring up our, our Massimo anyway. So uh, I don't know, but that's speculation as well. So uh, there's other things as well. Um, just, <laughs> just generally wildly speculating about things now. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, he long- so he made the long list. Uh, yeah. um, I'm just trying to see what year that happened. 
He was 23 at the time. Uh, oh, dear. I shouldn't have. I, I, I thought I had something there to, to bring you. 2015, he made the long list for the Ballon d'Or. Sweet. Yeah, elite company. Down to t- the short, short list whittled down to 23 candidates. And he was... Uh, yeah, he was on the long list. Uh, I can't find the, the 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 competition that I've made up. I've, I, I can't I can't back up at this stage. Oh, he was player of the tournament during January's Asian Asian Cup, which Asian Cup decision. So there you go. You know, these are all it's all fallen into place, isn't it? Is that sometimes known as like the Oceania Cup? I think so. Or that Oceania Cup sounds like a Pro Evolution Soccer. We yes, it's the Pro Definitely. But anyway, thank you for joining us for Different Gravy, the uh, the seventh best podcast about South Yorkshire Blues. <laughs> bringing, you, bringing you all of the most speculative information <laughs> about people we vaguely know. <laughs> So let's go on to another player that we vaguely know some stuff about, and that's uh, the second sighting is probably the most exciting one. That's Jacob Murphy. Yes. Um, So the man who... He's got a twin. He's got a twin. It's not Josh. I can tell you that much. Coming to to Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Tuesdays at 7.30, it's Brother Brother, uh, Josh and Jacob Murphy... Um, well, they're getting to some scrapes. Oh, let me tell you. Sometimes Josh needs to go on a date, but Jacob turns up instead. Oh. Oh, and then there's Roger next door. Ooh, Roger. <laughs> go home, Roger. Go home, uh, Roger. Yeah, Roger. well, he's it, just more pace, isn't it? We're, it's uh, more pace on the wings. we got bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of pace. It's really outstanding because if you think probably Iorfa is going to be the long-term right back, probably, um, that frees mm. a lot of Bajo to to kind of be either, you know, fill in on either wing. I think he can play both. Um, he looks very quick as well. So, um, And also, if you're bringing in that concept as well, is that Iorfa can probably get up and down that pitch. Oh, I, I, he's rapid, yeah. No, he's he a, he's an addition to the the quick. He was our first sort of. Hey, this is what pay, real pace looks like. I was actually talking to um, the the guy sat next to me at, at the match yesterday and saying, you know, we we you, reach looked quick for the last two or three years. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a there's pace and there's real pace. And um, well, yeah. I even think we can get onto the game a bit later. But I think Palmer looks. Uh, I th- I think Palmer looks pacier than I think we sometimes think he is. Yes. Um, but it's anyway, and that's interesting. Defender, the the pace, but um, no, yeah. he definitely he gets up and down so well. Mm. And then so, you've got that option, and then that's the interesting thing. If you think now, if we're playing kind of fantasy lineups, and then we've got. Uh, if we've got a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2 and we've got, you know, we've got Murphy and Harris on those wings and then we've got Iorfa at right back. And then if, you, if you're if you playing Palmer at left back, uh, you've got Mr. Mozadabaja to come in and he's uh, yeah. he's like uh, S-Town off a shovel. <laughs> he certainly is. It's like Swindon off a shovel. Uh, I think that's the, the, one of the things that I, I was going to say uh, sort of later really is, the squad 
seems to make some sense for the first time. It feels sort of properly balanced in that, case in point, Barry Bannon, uh, probably our best player, didn't play mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it took me, I, I arrived at the ground pretty late, and it took me probably five, ten minutes to figure out that he wasn't playing because I was like, hold on, if Reach is in the middle, um, and then it was like, oh, yeah, wait, Bannon's not playing. And that is, adding Luongo means that we've got cover in the middle now. We, we've got, he he either steps in and could do the job of, of a Kieran Lee, could do the job of a, a Hutchinson, um, but Reach can also do the, the kind of Kieran Lee Barry Bannon type role as well. So there's there's options there. We've got two good options on both sides of, of the the pitch in terms of the wingers. Um, we've got four decent centre backs now. Um, full back, I think we're probably still a little bit obviously at left back. Um, it will be a bit of make do and mend because. Yeah, um, the interesting thing about that one is, I think, I think there has been, there has been some talk. I was listening to uh, another rival podcast. Well, we're not rivals; we're all friends. We're all <laughs> friends, um, but they're not on the ERL podcast network. Like, oh, okay. I mean, they've decided to go alone, and fair play to them. Uh, the singing the blues one with uh, James Marriott and Don Housen from the Star. Don Housen was seemingly implying that on the recent one that we we were in the market for a left back and it didn't come off. Okay. Which was interesting. Um, I haven't been, I haven't really been mad clamoring for another left back. I like, I get it, but I, I think right now it's just like, it's the least of our, I guess it's the next weakness, but I, I don't think it's, I personally don't think it's maybe not quite as weak as people think it is. I think Palmer looks set to make it his own. Um, but I, I think what you need to think about is, well, what if what if we lost Palmer for a couple of months and then you've got a stretch of 10, 12 games with Fox there? With Fox, yeah. It, Mind you, could we... Well, how about you? You have a situation where, as, as I author played left back? I know it's putting degrees of square pegs into round holes, but yeah. it hasn't. I, I think it's worked fine I enough. I suspect Odebadjo would be better than I offer at left back, but I don't. That's based on nothing. <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. I just think he, the way he plays fullback, he probably could do. I think essentially he's a bit like Palmer. I think I, I offer plays fullback like a centre back. And I, I think he'd struggle more being on his wrong foot, but that is, it is definitely sort of armchair, armchair punditry at its at its absolute finest. Oh yes, so it's a bit like um, the times of. Um, did you think Tommy Spur played left back as a centre back more often? I think he used his frame like a centre back. Mm. Whereas. Neither Palmer or Odebajo can do that. They don't have the frame to do that. I think Fox is a bit like a. I think he's a bit like a sort of centre back style, and it's very much the yeah, modern. Yeah, 
it's very much the sort of well, it's not the modern style. I think they are you are going back to people that are now essentially like fullbacks are are wingers that do a bit of defending. Mm. But, but for a time, it was just having whopping great athletes wherever you could. So you ended up with a back line full of six footers, and yeah, I think Iolfa and Fox are both in that mould. Mm. I, I don't. But I mean, I, th- I think Fox is a, a bit like he's not as good as Palmer, but similar to how we were sort of discussing early uh, before the season started, you're probably looking at him giving you kind of six, six and a half out of 10. Um, yeah. He, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering from, I'm looking at this from a perspective, like looking at the left back berth, Palmer's making that position his own. Yeah. Um, with some really, two really good performances and carrying on, luckily carrying on, not having, I signed a new contractitis. Yes. Or previously, I need a new contractitis for like really good play. Yes. Um, and he's he's carrying on, and I think he did. Uh, we can talk about his. I thought he did really well yesterday. I was really impressed with him down at Reading. So I'm I'm really eating my words about Liam Palmer, and I'm glad. I'm all for yeah. that. Oh, me too. My words about a couple of couple of renewals including mr kieran lee he's just he's looking incredible um but for left back and then beyond that you know you've got fox there's a question of whether you can move and kind of plug i offer or adabaji around there to you know depending on who you want to play at the right yeah. back berth. oh i think <clears throat> and then from there also i i i would really like to see a bit more of mr matt penny um yeah, yeah. If he was a player coming through great strides. I know there's like a little bit of a he's a converted winger, isn't he? That's and that's what yeah. it's people say, oh, he's better further up the pitch. I mean he's got a he's got a trick of pace about him, or at least at least last time we saw him previous to injury, touch wood, you know, he did have a bit of pace about him. Who knows what you know, if he comes back and when he does come back. I don't think he's uh, personally I, I really don't think he's that kind of far out of the first team. It'd be nice to have him. His his introduction to the team was fantastic. It was um, incredible. Yeah, I, I didn't personally see the games where he he you know wasn't quite doing what he what he needed to do or was or was letting things down a little bit more. But the games I the, the games he's played at early doors were I just thought we we'd found an absolute gem because yeah. he looked yeah. so comfortable on the ball, so confident. Was it Villa? That we beat. Yes, Bruce was, was the manager. Villa, and he was just incredible. Yeah, so he looked fantastic. Um, the highlights of the, um, very much the highlights of the Yoss era, was I think some kind of development minutes and mm. some revelation that some of our youngsters are actually pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yes. Um. So, so we're yeah. talking about this while we went off and talked about Jacob Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Murphy is more pace in the wing, another dynamic presence and competition for the free 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 rolls. I'm really surprised. Yeah, I'm really surprised. I thought he was going to do well and have a good impact. So I was making these notes prior to the game. Yeah, and then obviously we'll get onto the game. But he scored with his first touch, and that was uh, that yeah. was his Wednesday debut. You can't really do much better. And like last, you know, the Reading game, Harris had a stonking debut. And now, it's, you know, a pretty great debut for Jacob Murphy as well. So 
Jacob Murphy is one of the two twins, as we mentioned, brother, brother, coming Thursday nights on uh, ABC. Um, but outside of that, you know, he was uh, he was at Norwich and he was uh, plucked up for a huge whopping transfer free to Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, and the Newcastle fans don't seem to like him at all. Um, but he has had like a bit of an impact in the Premier League. A little bit. Yeah. Not as much as they hoped. I think that's the, the, the problem. I don't. Newcastle fans are quite odd in some ways, aren't they? Yeah. To be I fair. Don't. To be but fair. But like I mean, who, who they like and who they don't like. I don't know how much stock I, I set by it. Because they've got they're one of these football clubs, a bit like West Ham, that have this vision of. No, we don't. We're not just a football. We've got an identity to our play. It's like when, because for like a year, Keegan played some nice football. Grow up. Yeah, uh, that well, was so you know, long ago. You have been. Yeah. You've just been another clodding team, bouncing between the Premier League and the Championship for far, far longer than you were this wonderful, dynamic attacking force. And mm. it's just, it's like the people that can't enjoy what Wednesday, you know, relative success for Wednesday now, because it's not yeah. 1990. It's like, well, time moves on. <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing with football clubs is that playing styles are much like fashions, you know, they're transient and things change. Yeah. So it's, it's that nonsense. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned West Ham. Cause it's like, you know, the, the fans talking about, Oh, people who play the West Ham way. Yes, the West Ham way I'm putting in inverted commas. You know, it's like as though it's an identity. Yes, and I'm like, it's not an identity to anyone but you who remembers it for whatever period of time it was. Well, exactly, because I remember them in the. It's a go harking back to the '90s. I mean, it was Julian Dix and Razor yeah. Ruddock and things. Yeah, exactly. you know? <laughs> that's that's then, the identity I assigned to West Ham. And then you know, I, I think about West Ham in that early '90s, and when they were, you know, one of my first few prominent moments as a Wednesday, I was going to the Waddle game at Hillsborough. Oh, me too. And you know, my dad taking me, and uh, you were there as well. Yeah, and yeah. it was absolutely. Pulling, pulling, pulling the pants down, <laughs> pulling the hammer's pants down. <laughs> just, yeah, and Waddle just absolutely rinsed them. Uh, um, and it was a fantastic game. And we was it five nil? We won that game, or am I just getting deluded here? I think it was five nil. Anyway, and then cutting to you know, I still remember my my old brother talking about uh, you know you cut to match of the day and Trevor Brookings uh, you know getting a little bit quiet about his beloved West Ham yes you know this iconic player who uh, you know still still running his mouth about his oh. uh, his lovely hammers I know and, uh, and they got hammered oh ho boom boom uh, yeah, five nil was the score that day. That was that was unbelievable. Like that set. I mean, that was unfair as an early footballing memory to have because, yeah, those days are so few and far between. <laughs> you got to drink them in. Um, mm-hmm. So the final, final new edition, uh, Master Bates or Mister D Bates, Mister D Bates, Mister D Taxi Bates, yes. Uh, Ginger Ramos. Have you heard he's been called Ginger I, Ramos? So I heard the Ginger Ramos. 
yes. What well, it, it seems a bit spurious, um, but uh, he's a monster. Six foot four. Um, obviously, pretty good pedigree. The story of him ending up in Germany was uh, the scouts were there to watch um, Portuguese centre back Bruno Alves, and uh, they were they were watching an old firm. Derby and Alves got injured after 10 minutes, um, which meant that Bates came on the pitch and absolutely ran the game and uh, and really? saw, saw, saw saw out a clean sheet um, at, at like whatever age he was. I think he was 19 at the time. Um, and they were so impressed, they went back and watched him several more times and uh, and ended up signing him. So wow. I think he, he was a mainstay a couple of seasons ago. Last year, he didn't play quite as much, but he still played 28 times for them. Um, he seems to have picked up an injury kind of in between times and, and not quite established himself back in the team. But, uh, so do you think, are you, are you implying, or maybe I'm just jumping to some rapid, wild speculating conclusions here, Rich, is um, do you think he's someone who's maybe done a bit of a Hal Robson canoe? You know, he's... Uh, He's played from the fortune of some, you know, some really prominent performances on a good stage. You think that's because uh... the interesting thing I see about uh, Bates is, I mean, he's come in and he's cover. I'm glad we have another body. Um, he sounds like he could be promising, um, but I've also heard some stuff that isn't uh, glowing in terms of him from a few different channels. And then there's the fact that he's a young player who's hopped around a lot at a young age. You know, it doesn't. He feels like he's at the age where he's, he's been to an, a, a few clubs, where you know you shouldn't be kind of picking up that journeyman mileage, in terms of, you know, you shouldn't be looking a bit like a young, um, you know, Leon Clark type career at a young age. I that feels harsh to me um, as as a reading, and. I, for me, I, I think I've just it, there's obviously an amount of wait and see. Um, yeah, Van Aken came with a wonderful sort of resume and really, really badly disappointed. Um, yeah. So I think there's there's a, there's not. I, do, I think it's pretty hard to tell from the outside looking in how good sure. a defender is. Um, I'm just thinking in terms of who, who he's played for. Because I, I, as far as I was aware, I thought he was at Rangers and then went to Hamburg. I think it's just more the the mentality he's gone to Hamburg. How long has he been at Hamburg? Yeah, I, I think I can hear a few scuffles and the keys. So I imagine you have the. Well, no, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up. It's not um, for some. I, I uh, the the. Oh man, this is not. It's not easy. Uh, oh, this is uh, this is top podcasting. It's it's beautiful stuff, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so he was Wraith Rovers as a as a youngster. Cause given that he's twenty-two. Yeah. Um and then he's kind of loaned around and then he's worked his way to Rangers. So I guess like, you know, promising youngster coming through. Let's just uh speculate a story based off his uh looking at his Wikipedia entry. <laughs> um yeah, so he's yeah, so he went on the he went on a development loan to I've never heard of a development loan to Rangers before. Um that shows you how young he was, I think. We signed yeah. uh, we signed somebody on a development loan a few years ago. I think under laws we signed someone under a development loan. Cuz if they're a youth player 
I think we had so many loan players in already. We were able to sign another one on a development loan, mm. maybe a goalkeeper or something like an emergency backup. So uh, it's interesting that he signed on a four-year contract with them last summer, basically. So I'm not sure of the, you know, and again, we can wildly speculate the story behind this. Did he, was he holding, was a contact? Was he holding out for that from, yeah. Uh, you reneged on a new deal at Rangers to go to to go to Hamburg on a, a free signing. That was uh, awesome. summer of twenty eighteen. Yeah. So yeah. So actually, I'm I'm incredibly impeccably harsh on uh, David Bates. We'll just we'll see. I, I I've, I'm quite hopeful. I think. Um, but by, by so most of the accounts I've read say that he's. He's, you know, not too bad with the ball at his feet. Uh, so despite his pretty grand stature, um, he's not just a, a kind of lump it big man. That's uh, good to hear. Um, he's also so, supposed to be very quick, which we don't have much pace there at that centre-back position mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. Um, I, th- I, I think if Borna is a success, then... We probably won't see much of him, but it's. I think it's nice to have an option that's not Van Aken and it's not sort of pulling Iorfa out of his natural position. He might not be wonderful, but I, I think as someone who we're potentially talking about as a kind of third or fourth choice centre-back, he seems to have a decent pedigree. And uh, to go back to our lovely phrase from American sports, there just seems to be a lot of upside to it. Because if he works out um, well, presumably we could, we could pick him up at, at a at a reasonable transfer fee. Um, we, we talked about not getting Michael Hector, but again, that seems like somewhere where we were pretty sensible. I think spending £5 million on a 27-year-old defender I know, I know. for his club uh, with, with a year left on his contract would have been daft. So I'm glad we didn't do it. And then this uh, is yeah. a replacement. This is good. I think this is good planning from the club. Uh, yeah, and it is. Fingers crossed, Borna works out... Uh, the signs so far are, are pretty good. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it doesn't, as I say, hopefully he won't, we won't see much of him, but I, I'm hopeful that if we do, he'll, he'll probably be able to, to do a job for us if, 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 and when it's needed. We talk about square pegs and round holes, but it's a Bates peg in a Hector hole. Really? <laughs> and I just, I know there's, there's a, and I fully get, I'm, I'm glad that um, I've, chatting with someone on Twitter, chatting with uh, Peter Lohman, who's a prominent uh, Danish statistic web- uh, Wednesdayite and um, about the dealings of transfers. And um, I was wondering about Van Aken because it's still the, the foreign window is still open. So technically Van Aken still be, could still be leaving. Yes. Okay. And I, I think that would work well for Van Aken. And now in this situation, if I'm looking at kind of, I don't really want to look at the, the concept of Iolfa being a centre-back, but I think if we had four centre-backs, two for each position, we go Lee's Bourne starting, we have Bates back up, and I'd like to see Jordan Fornley. Yeah, I think he, I count him in my I think he's. I think he'd be there for that. Um, but I was just saying, yeah, we've, we've done such great business on such limitations. Yeah. Previously, when... Um, you know, we want to get some meat on the fire. We've gone down to... We've bought some... Uh, very speculative, uh, expensive 
uh, joints of meat for the barbecue for Colossus meat on the fire barbecue yes. previously that uh, we've took them back and they've been a little bit rancid or not as good as the um, yeah. not as good as the value burgers at Tesco yeah um, with horse meat in them uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've done some great fantastic dealing so I, I do applaud the concept of the fact that Bates has come in on a season-long loan apparently he was very close to sign for Wigan Right. Okay. And I, I also you know, as as, um, as podcast guest uh, Paul Cook, <laughs> you know, revered, revered manager, just... does seem to have a good eye for a player. Yeah. So that maybe that kind of seems kind of decent, and he is coverage. And I know that yeah, like spending five million on Hector wasn't. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. For players one year and as you said hasn't kicked a ball for his parent club I just and I know we as football fans Wednesday fans and I think all football fans do this you get these loan signings and then you know Ben Marshall we talked about Ben Marshall mm-hmm. I think still a free agent interestingly enough so it could be and was someone who I thought would be I thought he would be arriving I, I really was um, it's pretty semi-convinced that that was going to be a good one and one that was coming in and yeah. I know Bullen was asked about that, the Football Heaven manager special, and um, he just basically said, I, I thought it, it seemed like a non-committal answer, so I thought there was something in it. Okay. Um, so he referenced the fact that like Alan Nixon talked about it, basically, in the paper and the Sun. And um, I, I, was, I was adamant it was going to happen, so I was really, really surprised that out of the blue, Jacob Murphy came in from Newcastle, who I didn't think we'd be doing any business with. So the point I'm getting at, like my long Turner circles, my long my long Harry Maguire uh, turning point circles, come yes. back to play. It's coming back to ports. Um, I know that there's a mentality, and we clamour for these signings of players who've done loans so well. But I, oh, I would have loved Michael Hector back at the club. Loved it, 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 loved it. And even we talked about, I think. I would have liked to have seen this. I mean, he was incredible at centre-back, but if you imagine you had, even if you had a centre-back, that was better than Michael Hector. If we're playing some level of fantasy football, <laughs> um, I would have loved to have seen Hector in the holding. the holding holding midfielder, just spraying him and Bannon just as, uh, as a kind of buddy cop, much like your Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious presents uh, Bannon and Hector, Oh. Then, like, back-to-back back giving quips, just spraying Hollywood balls around the pitch. Beautiful. <laughs> that's uh, that's blockbuster stuff. You know, um, Brother Brothers, purely just the, the chaff that's on um, American Network sitcoms and would be commissioned to the UK to be on at Channel 4 Morning, contesting with King of Queens. Uh, but that's Hollywood stuff, if you imagine. Uh, blockbuster. Blockbuster, just a big-budget big budget Bannon and Bannon Hector. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah. alas, that's purely just a, a fantasy. And we have to deal with the realities of FFP and the realities of money at the club. So, selling Jow, not something that's clean, keen on, but the money that's come in has brought in free, free signings, four signings, I guess. Well, yeah. free signings, probably. I, I'm with you. It would have been lovely to have Hector back. We also have been in this position before, clamoured, got the lone player in, and then actually when they're not playing they're not on their best behavior and they're a permanent player they're no longer anywhere near as good as they were as a loan signing so we, yeah. we have saved that 
ignominy in in terms of Hector. You don't, you never know. But I, I remember a wonderful loan signing we had called Darren Potter. And then I remember an atrocious <laughs> footballer that signed for us called Darren Potter. And supposedly they were the same person, but they were but, not. But no, never, never the twain did meet. <laughs> no, exactly. The so, double. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think in some ways Borna could be a better, a more natural partner for Lees than, than Hector was. Um, if, if he can kind of... My, my slight worry with him, and it's a bit of my my note from the match. I wonder he's going to have to quickly get up to speed with the physicality of the of the championship. I think that's going to be he's going to be tested on that because he looks a bit easy to brush over. Um, and yeah. I don't know whether it was particular with Barnsley, their manager, obviously coming from German football, may well and and. Um, particularly knowing quite a bit about lower league German football. I wonder if he knew about Borna and kind of had a little note to his players to, um, you know, if you get the chance, give him a shove, get up against him. He doesn't like, you know, he doesn't like that physical side of things. But it, it uh, felt... Wie sprechen? Um, they don't like it up them, Auf Deutsch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was basically saying, how do you say they don't like it up them in German? <laughs> um yeah so so that that's a that's a slight little worry but i I think he can i'm I'm, i think he can overcome that i don't just think it's a bit of being a a bit more aware of how football works in at this level um but beyond that the fact he's left-footed the fact he seems a pretty calming influence um i think Lee's performance yesterday was was one of the best I've seen from him in a, a really really long time, and I think I think Hector was very good, but I don't think Hector calmed Lee's down. He didn't have that kind of Leuven's <laughs> that Leuven's esque kind of calm bearing on things, and oh. it, it feels like Borna has that a little bit more. But we it's obviously early doors, um, yeah. but. I think having Tom Lee's at ease as well as having somebody who's very competent alongside him, that feels like a good combination. Whereas I do, I felt Lee's was pretty skittish next to Hector. Um, and Hector was always, his lovely passes were, were fantastic, but you know, one in every about five or six, he would pass directly to the defender that was to the attacker that was stood right in front of him uh, and put us in all kinds of bother when there was no pressure <laughs> previously. So mm. um, I think that's the sort of thing that had Lee's like, I can't, I can't actually <laughs> be at ease here. I always need to be alert because even when it looks like there's no pressure whatsoever, we could be in a situation where it's just handed to uh, the, the possession is handed tamely to the opposition and we just ask them to come at us. Um, so we'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. We should get on to the match. Yeah, quickly, just to say the um, the game against Barry was postponed. Mm. Uh, that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a really weird kind of situation as to whether <sighs> Barry Football Club will still be in existence and will still carry on. And that's the greater sadness, uh, more so than missing an EFL Cup game. I don't know why they don't just give us a bye. That's that's my take on the thing. I just I think it's just you've got to say if they can't put the game on, just cross it out and just move on. I think there are bigger issues with that football club. 
And it's really sad. It's really, really, really sad. What's going on with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it is very sad. And um, the counterpoint to just cancelling the game and moving on and giving us the bye is, from Barry's point of view, it's a payday. And um, if they manage to, if they manage to kind of stabilise things in any way, the fact they've missed out on probably tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands, um, is actually quite a significant thing to to, to miss out on altogether. Because obviously, there's, yeah. and potentially, if it's postponed, there's TV rights to add on top of that as well, which which um, which attract a fee. So I, yeah. I can see both sides. I think from our point of view, it would be better if we knew where we stood with it because it means potentially at some point we've got a match when other teams won't have to play um so yeah. this is at a bit of a disadvantage although this week it means we get a rest that other teams don't get so um it swings and roundabouts isn't it very much so very much so i guess it's uh probably why you have a large squad in this case is because of injuries and also cup games and uh yeah, if it goes ahead, if it does go ahead, when it goes ahead, um, it will probably be a second string side from Wednesday. We may see uh, Kosov and Snooki lining up front alongside maybe Winall or maybe Mr. Jordan Rhodes. Who knows? Um, gives a chance to try something different and probably play, play some youngsters, I guess. But it's it's pretty sad. Anyway, the, the, that game is postponed until we know more. Yeah. Um, okay, so you you had some issues. You had some issues getting the watching the match, following the match yesterday. So my situation is self-imposed. So I, I feel like I'm doing pretty well in the podcast today, even though I'm I'm pretty hungover. I had a pretty long <laughs> session yesterday, which was a lot a lot of fun, um, and a lot of fun time was had the, the evening before. Uh, I've been looking after my neighbor's cat, Brit- Brittany's cat, uh, Bagheera, a few times before. So she owed me a meal, and she said, I can take you anywhere. And where did I say I wanted to go, Rich? Olive Garden. Beautiful. And then she was like, really? And I was like, yes. So I went to Olive Garden, and I gorged myself on free breadsticks, soup, salad, only a little bit of my main, but that's in a takeaway box for me to reheat at work on Monday. Perfect. Good times. And had an impeccably disappointing dessert as well. But basically, I ate so much that uh, I'm an old man. Uh, I didn't sleep very well. Oh. So I was up for a few hours in the wee hours in the morning. Um, the games kick off at 3 p.m. in the UK, which is 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here on the sunny beaches of Calgary, Alberta. Uh, so I tried to get up late and then kind of watch the entire thing, but it's just incredibly distracting on, um, I follow to have the situation that, you know, if goals are happening and goals are coming in later and turning off, it's nice to kind of get up and have my little in my bedroom, have my notes and have my little, uh, play. I've also tried to watch a bit of, uh, Sheffield night losing, which they, they drew. Um, on the Premier League coverage as well. So it was a, a bit patchy for me. I watched probably about 60% of the game, um, and I was a bit sleep-deprived, and I'm really looking to you for this time, Rich. Okay. To lead the team. I've, got, I've got to break really terrible news to you, but they, they didn't lose Sheffield United. No. Mm. Uh, Billy Blunt had a super sub appearance. And did a... Um... 
a tar, tar, Tardelli-esque celebration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that he did. Because drawing with Bournemouth is just as exciting as winning the World Cup. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was it was a great win. I think that's the first thing to sort of uh, you know we've kind of yeah. we've we've meandered and we've hoffed and sighed uh, for a lot of the podcast. But yesterday was 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 really good. Um, I, I just sort of snuck in uh, uh, um, as we were kicking off, um, and as I said, I, I didn't notice that we were uh, we were a little ginger heated um, s- centre midfielder down until uh, until a bit later on, <laughs> um, but. W- Almost straight away, we we scored. It was a sort of lump up the field. They didn't deal with particularly well. Um, Harris got on it, and they were terrified. Um, I think there was three or four men attached to Harris at, at every time yes. he got he got yes, the ball. Very much so. Yeah. Um, he sort of tried to poke it through the crowd of players, and there was a very fortunate bounce, and it fell to uh, Harris. Uh, fell to Murphy, who um, with it, yeah, as we sort of touched on with his very first touch of the ball, he uh, he killed it around the keeper and uh, put us one nil up, which uh, you can't get much better than that in terms of starts for for the team and also starts for for Murphy as a, as a player. I mean that that he he would have been in absolute dreamland without that. Um, the I think the main thing that stands out, having watched us play a full game now, is that is the pace. Um, it's completely changed the way that we're able to play. Yeah, uh, um, we just simply didn't have anything to threaten teams when they were pressing us, and now we can clear the ball down either flank, and we've got we've got somebody able to chase it, if not two people. Uh, and a couple yeah. of times we did create those breaks where it was it was kind of two on two or two on one. Um, it was just really nice to see. <laughs> Um, Fletcher was was fantastic again. Um, he really came out second half. He was desperate to get a goal. He was yelling at everybody. He was insisting he got the ball passed to him and things like that. And then um, he obviously got his goal after a, a wonderful little uh, run from uh, Murphy and a pass mm. to Kieran Lee, who just did this did a gorgeous little couple of touches that pulled pulled the defender away and made the space for Fletcher who who then sort of spun and put it past the goalkeeper um it was a really it was a really good goal well deserved i was it was getting to that stage where you worry that we'd been second half in particular we just were all over them from the kickoff yeah um and the longer it goes without getting a goal in that position you start to worry are we going to get get sort of ahead of ourselves and get caught here and thankfully that didn't happen, and, and and we did take that chance to to secure things. Um, How much? And so, I, from what I seem to recollect and kind of gather from the game, but I think one thing that uh, struck me about that first goal, uh, Murphy's goal, is, and I felt like I saw a little bit more of this, but I don't know if uh, during my sleep deprived state where I'm just hallucinating things. <laughs> or, or um, it seemed like Murphy and Harris were kind of doubling up. That didn't happen very much. Um, they 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 largely stayed on opposite wings. Um, but the fact that they had the freedom to, especially in that first yeah. chance, um, was it was Murphy on the right of that front three and Harris yeah, was Murphy on the was right? a, So Murphy played where Reach played last week. 
right. Harris pretty much entirely stayed on the left, but 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 it, Murphy, a bit like Reach, was a given a bit more uh, room to roam. Um, room, so that's why he kind of ghosted in around the back of yes. um, the back of uh, Harris to 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 uh, be fortunate with that lucky deflection to 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 kill it home. Absolutely, and he a couple of his runs were really good actually because he sort of he pushed his fullback a good way back and then cut inside and sort of ran across and played it into Harris who who had as a result of, of Murphy's run had a lot of space available to him. Um, and mm. I think on another day we could have easily had probably a couple more goals. If not, I think it could have easily been four or five nil to be honest. Yeah. Barnsley are an interesting team that, you know, the one of the teams that play kind of like a nice high press. They've got a bit of energeticism, but um, I think the thing that you find in the championship is you get these kind of um, the kind of lower minion teams of the league who can play some nice stuff and be promising and get some good wins and surprise a few people with their application and energy and the high press and the way they play. Mm. Um, but they're all a bit powder puff and a bit lightweight. And that's the thing. Powder puff is, I think, is the term I can think about Barnsley. So... But yeah, I'm glad that you're saying that, you know, like we did, what happened is, you know, we, we did kill the game off for the 2-0. It did feel yeah. like it was, it was dead at that point. It did kind of kill the game off, in my opinion, from what I saw and what I felt. Um, I guess like you can kind of talk about, I, I feel like in an interesting way, last week we we had the same thing, uh, speculative, um, kind of like, would this have been a turning point had it happened? Yes. We, we talked about the handball on the line from Lee's. Um, you know, a nice bit of defending from in, in that case from both Lees and the refer and the officials as well. Yes, yes. And um, the stroke of halftime that was the that was quite a big moment. I thought with the Barnsley chance that kind of fell into uh, Woodrow, the striker, who looked to try and rip the net off and then uh, pulled off a great save from Cameron Dawson. Yes, I I, I did. I think that was a note. I, I, Key moments went our way. So, I mean, obviously, mm. I think the goal, the first goal was one of those, you know, that deflect, that sort of deflection off two players into the path of Murphy. That, that was pretty fortunate. And we seized yeah. on it, which was great. Um, similarly, that save by Dawson was, was really good. He also had another good moment uh, before that where there was a clever... Um, I th- So, Barnsley, um, I think they looked like a good sort of group of of athletes um they looked pretty toothless uh, they they made a couple of chances but it was they, they got to us they basically got two-thirds up the pitch and then when we put when we decided that they weren't going any further pretty much they didn't get to go any further um but uh they they did have some really nice bits of movement and maybe in time they'll find those passes and things um but we we were really good at blocking the channels and, and not letting the balls through. But there was one movement, one moment where the uh, basically the fullback ended up kind of spinning inside, and Harris was caught up the field, and um, the ball was sort of flicked over Borner's head, and Dawson was off his line quick as a flash, and basically the fact Dawson moved so quick, similarly to the uh, the, the shot on goal, mm. uh, his quick <laughs> movements made it nothing rather than being a big moment. It was going to be a chance, but the fact he was out and a presence meant it, it just tamely sort of bobbled out for a goal kick. So I think he had a really good day. His kicking wasn't 
it's always a, a question mark. But um, funnily enough, yeah. it's one yeah. of the question marks with Westwood too. Um, but he goalkeeping wise, he was he was. I thought he was really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, very solid performance from Dawson. The the um, the other key moment that went our way was a Borna cleared a, a ball off the line, and that was a great yes. bit of thinking from him to to follow in because we yep. were really caught sixes and sevens there again. That was it was. Um, he was he came in for some criticism last week uh, on a, on a bad Joe and to be honest he I think he deserves a little bit of criticism uh, from yesterday as well although it was a fine performance and he played a part in it um, he he got caught dawdling in in the, well, he was caught on the ball in the middle of the field when he really shouldn't have been in that position and uh, and everybody was sort of then rushing to try and fill in behind and Borna had the had the the sort of forethought to 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 cover in the back and and Dawson was beaten on that occasion and Borna cleared it so that those again a key moment that if that goes in it's one one and it could be a very different game um, but but by and large a really good performance and very comfortable I I would be worried if I was a Barnsley fan the way that they play I presume that they've got up playing that way and I can only think what's happened <laughs> is at League One. You don't have the quality or um, the level of athleticism that they're going to come up against more often than not mm. in the championship. And the fact that we were able to keep pressing them, we, we they're just going to cause headaches for themselves again and again and again. Their goalkeeper thinks he's... Um, he's a midfielder. He is not. <laughs> uh, Fletcher caught him, I think, three times on the ball. People are going to catch them and score. I, I, I know one of my things um, in terms of like how we look ahead, I think after the first two games, it's natural to feel like, OK, I think we're probably going to have a bit of a better season than we than we maybe thought. But mm. we've also, I think we've got to add the reality to that of we've played two teams who both of us put in the bottom. Well, I don't completely, know. Completely, completely. That I I I I've got Barnsley to get relegated. And I think on that performance, I, I'm feeling pretty good about that suggestion. Yeah, um, yeah. I it's like they've got good ideas, and I think when it works, it'll work well. It seems like they did a number on Fulham, um, but I think they're going to get caught more often than not, and it's gonna they're going to feel they they they're going to let lots of goals in. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, it's an interesting, we've had two, uh, the first two games of the season. We knew it was, we were looking at the, um, we were looking at the championship fixtures when it was announced. And I think a lot of people said that it's an easier on paper start. I mean, to still get two wins, you know, to score emphatically free away at full at Reading yeah. uh, last week. And then also beats, beats a local derby, team you know in Barnsley it could be a bit of a banana skin mm-hmm. that they've come up and they've got that momentum and they picked up a great win against Fulham the week previously yeah um and I know like and here's another thing is that like when I was chatting to my dad always makes a point about how the fact that um the new season starts and everyone's filled with uh joy and optimism towards what the season can be uh no one ever thinks they're going to get relegated as football no. fans 
and ever so everybody naturally thinks that they're probably going to have a great season it's that kind of unbridled optimism yes, but the yes. interesting thing with these two games is against lower you know teams that we think are going to be in the lower half of the table and um you know i know there's a degree of like uh football fandom with this and the internet and you know, my dad's bigger than your dad, and waving our um, waving our electronic uh, penises around. Uh, but but both Reading and Barnsley fans seem very very confident that they would beat us comfortably yeah. in those two games. And then we've gone and just uh, just really shoved it up them. <laughs> I can tell you, I can see that Luke. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have tried to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your controversial crown from the top of your head. Because uh, I'm just, I'm gunning for it, Rich. I'm <laughs> gunning for it. I'm like, I'm training. I'm just thinking of like uh, problematic things to say all week. It's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, maybe one day I'll I'll learn to behave and be a, a better human being. Until that day, I'll say uh, questionable things on this podcast. <laughs> Anyway, um, speaking of instances that kind of, so I guess we had instances go away. Like, I think if I had a tagline for this match, it would be like, we don't need no stinking officials <laughs> because the, in the early in the second half, there were two awful, awful bits of officiating. Um, the first one was the handling outside the box from the, from the mm. Barnsley keeper. Yeah. Which was clear as day. I can't believe that was ignored. The other one was a little bit um at the time I didn't think it was that was the penalty appeal. Yes. Was it Fletcher was bundled over? And I was looking at it and at the time I was like, you know, I definitely think there's something in the handling outside the box. You know, I was pretty staggered by that. That was that was poor. And I guess is the interesting thing is especially now that the the Premier League season kicked off uh this last weekend with yeah. the now we've added VAR which is Ooh. As we as we know, and we've talked about off the podcast, and maybe a little bit on the podcast, it's VAR is a bit of a dog. Mm. Um, but I feel like both those instances would have been given. I don't know what is the penalty. Sorry, the penalty in terms of um, the punishment for the crime given for a, a given for a goalkeeper who handles outside the area. How is that kind of dealt with in the, the law book? Uh, I think it's a yellow card and a free kick. Yeah, that's what I thought it was probably going to be. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was something more. I think for the last time I thought pretty... it was really hard because it happened to Kevin Pressman once, but he he was stopping a goal going in basically <laughs> with his handball, so um, he got he got red carded. All um, right. Yeah, back in the day, keggers. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty bad. But then I, I looked back and I saw. Uh, I don't know if you've seen a replay. It's been happening quite a bit on Twitter, and especially now that it happens a lot more that people now obviously are recording the goals going in on iFollow, so you can kind of see, you can quickly see elements before you see highlights of things that go, and things can get replayed, and you know we can all we can all JFK the footage back and forth, you know, um, slowly (laughs) and uh, in stages, but um, that's penalty appeal was one which I look back and it, it looked terrible because he's bundled over and then the Barnsley defender handballs it. Yes. Yeah. It, it, I, I suppose it's all... Uh, talked about swings and roundabouts, but last last week um, we kind of had... The look again, look for us. Go our way. Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, this week we didn't. But as you say, we don't. It actually, thankfully, didn't matter in either case. We didn't need. We didn't need a rubber to green with official officials doing their job. You know. Yeah. It's the it's same a- thing last week. You know, we we managed to do a job so that like the decisions that hopefully you know didn't go against us. We didn't need to counteract them. Yeah. Yeah, and the same thing again. To the, yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I. To be honest, I'd completely forgotten about those incidents. Um, but you're, you're right. They were both. They, they both absolutely stood out. And I, I remember in particular uh, thinking with the, uh, the handball outside the box, there was no way that there was a, there was a Sheffield Wednesday player between the referee and the goalkeeper, so he couldn't see it. And um, I, I believe it was Harris that was sort of running sort of chasing the ball that the keeper came out to, to to take from him and he was stood directly between the linesman and the and the and the keeper so i was thinking like well who who saw that and how did they see it because the person who's the the people closest to it including the goalkeeper acted pretty much like he'd handled it outside the box so <laughs> um but uh yeah as i say thankfully there'll be times where We'll have, we'll have mm-hmm. nothing left, nothing else to talk about apart from the referee. But uh, thankfully, it didn't matter. <laughs> Reed did could, you could have had a goal? Uh, Luongo, could yes, have had a goal. yes. Uh, I, was, I was actually glad we mentioned. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Reach one because I was just prior to this recording this, I did go back and look at the highlights. Did you think Reach could have done better in that situation? I feel like maybe he could have. It, I think it looks it looks like from that evidence that their keeper might be quite good at one-on-ones i think he came off pretty well in in a few different scenarios mm. um i don't it's hard reach isn't a he's not a clinical finisher he's he, he strikes a ball very well he, he he had a similar chance in the last friendly against espanol and, and sort of did the same thing in terms of tactics chipping it trying to chip it over the keeper is probably an all right idea and probably works out yeah often. Uh, but when the keeper's as big as as uh, he was, and, and mainly he was just doing that sort of Peter Schmeichel thing of I'm going to make myself as big as possible and uh, good luck trying to beat me, mm-hmm. which tends to mean that he leaves a massive gap between his legs. <laughs> so that it probably wasn't the best choice there, but I, I think he committed to it. He didn't sort of spuff the shot or, or hit it badly. He hit no. it well. And then there's a there's always that sort of look of the draw. Uh, you you tend to feel in one on ones you should come off better. Yeah. Uh, and I would hope that a striker would would have would have had but had both those chances really. But I thought it was yeah. a really good run from Reach, and it it made me quite um, hopeful. If if we're in a situation where we we're relying on him in the middle, I think he actually did. He he took a well, little to grow into it, but I actually think he did. He yeah. Had a really good game in in the middle, and and probably better than when he used to get dropped in there under Yost, I think he had a job to do and he, he did it quite well. Whereas he's looked a bit lost well, I, sometimes in the middle. I've always, you know, as much as we know, it's the, uh, the sideshow greasy Bob show. <laughs> yes. um, we, we, you know, I talked about putting reach as my potential player this season. And I, I just, I love Adam reach. He's, he's a fantastic yeah. player. And it's, it's really been a highlight of some kind of really, um, really depressing, mid-table seasons the past yes. couple of seasons yeah. and I, i'm struggling with a concept here which is like so now 
So last last week we had, you know, we didn't uh, Josh, Mur- sorry, <laughs> Jacob Murphy, not Josh Murphy. It's that brother brother thing again, you know. <laughs> You know, he wasn't at the club, so we, we went down to Reading and we did a 4-3-3 and we had Fletcher and we had Harris and we had Reach. And I'm like, that seems perfect because Reach is fairly quick, as we've mm-hmm. kind of established, and chips in with a lot of assists. And, you know, as generally play, you want to be further up the pitch and causing damage to teams, you know, whether he's just kind of nonchalantly um, drifting in from the wing to just smash home another screamer. Yeah. Um for his uh his own goal of the season competition that he's yes. having, let alone let alone as part of the Sheffield Wednesday goal of the season. Um <laughs> but I'm I'm wondering if he's more effective in that midfield trio because the thing I like and the thing that's been you know, you mentioned <clears throat> how he was in that midfield three under Yoss. Yeah. But um especially with the with the fact that we've just so desperately missed Karen Lee. And what Kieran Lee can do when a fully fits, fully on his game, on his day, Kieran Lee can do is Reach was kind of doing a little bit of that previously. Like he was the legs and just driving through the middle. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm wondering now if he's like, he's more, it's not, but I'm, I'm just going off two games. Like he, he wasn't, he was quiet at Reading. We didn't need him to be, to have an impact. And that's sometimes the nature of football is that uh, some of your players can kind of take a bit of a backseat while someone else is a star of the day of that game. And that's how it kind of works. I, I think that's how I, that's how I read it, to be honest, more than... I, I think he, uh, if we go back to the, the, that formation that played against Reading, I think if you have that formation play five, ten games, I, th- I think Harris is probably the star for a handful of them. And I think yeah. Leach would be the star for another handful. I, 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 I've got very few doubts about Reach and what he does. I think he's very consistent, uh, mm. and it might take take a little bit of time to find his footing. But I also think, as you say, I think it might just be a case that at the moment Harris is absolutely shining. I would be amazed if Harris can play as well as he's done in the first two games all season. Because if, yeah, if he's I know, and that's. That, we probably That's won't the, lose him in January because I don't think anybody can be this good all the time. No, uh, no, that's a good point. And but there'll I, be those games where he's a bit leggy, a bit tired, and and Reach will be needed, and I think Reach will be up to the job. Um, mm-hmm. There's also going to be games Barnsley tried to do it where he gets doubled up, tripled up on, and again Reach is going to love having that space. He's going to. Um, seize those uh, those moments and and make things happen. So I I think I think we're just in a really good. It's weird to be in this position, but this this is almost what I was saying in terms of the balance in the squad. We've actually just got really good options right across that front line. We do, we really do. It's um, you know we're at the barbecue and there's a lot of meat to go on the fire edge. Yeah, it's an enviable position to be in, and this mm. it's it's the sort of thing that's making me quite hopeful for the season ahead because. I, you can only beat what's in front of you. And I do think we've, I remember um, a couple of seasons ago when Sunderland got relegated, we, uh, we sort of drew nil nil there. And at the time sort of people said, Oh, that'll be a good result. Um, but actually Sunderland were terrible and a nil nil at Sunderland was, was actually one of, was a bad result to get, you know, better than that. This Everybody seemingly went there and seemingly won and did better than, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
I think there's a oh, there's oh. a little bit of time will tell, but mm. the evidence that we've got is that that, that we're we're going to be in for a good season if 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 enough of those players can keep fit for enough of the season. We're going to be an absolute handful for anybody that plays us. No, nobody will be looking forward to playing against that front line, no matter who turns up in it. And that's a really great spot to be in. It's mm-hmm. really fantastic. And and Kieran Lee's a contributor to that. Barry Bannon's potentially an addition to that. Um, and I, I think Hutch is sort of undervalued in terms of what he does further up the field he tends to be pretty good once he gets there it's not his main job and, and particularly yesterday he was sat a bit further back but he's he's pretty direct and decisive in the way he acts Sam Hutchinson and uh, quite often when he's found in those positions he does something useful whether it's getting a shot away or um, or, or feeding somebody in who's in a better position so no I think without getting too carried away with all the the caveats in place yesterday made me pretty excited about about this this season ahead that's great Um, yeah good performance player ratings please do yeah i think you should kind of lead off this and i'll kind of chip in with my little okay great i'll try not to um repeat myself because there are things we've touched on already so so dawson i've put him in at an eight um Kicking, wow. aside, kicking aside, I, th- I just think he had a really good game and, and was a big mm-hmm. part of it feeling pretty comfortable all the way through. I think he did a, did a really good job uh, being called in. Um, Odebajo, 6.5. Um, really? I, he, contrib- he contributed. He did his bit, absolutely. And he seems to have very good um, reactions. So there was a few times where he was maybe a little bit caught out of position but did a good job of... Yep. Yeah. covering his backside or, or stopping. He did. He did a good couple of, um, um, yeah. I, I worry that he left us a little bit exposed at times. And I think he was guilty of kind of overdoing things or underdoing things and, and at the wrong time, you know, he'd have loads of time and kind of flick the ball away casually. Um, uh, or he had no space and time and decided that was the time he was going to kind of like get his head down and try a little run. Um, so, Thankfully, it didn't cost us at all, and and as I say, he played a part in keeping a clean sheet. So I don't want to be too harsh on him, but he's the only sort of question mark in that defence that that looked very I, solid. Throughout. I felt from what I saw as a better performance than it was at Reading. I think I'd probably have him at a seven. I feel like maybe maybe a harsh mark, harsh possibly. Seven but then you, you um, I also would have been a little bit harsh, like as a. You know the antithesis of you. I think I'd probably give like Dawson a seven, um, but I'd, I I agree with think you. I think save at half time is so key to it was so that, That's the difference between winning and losing. So yeah, I, yeah. I put a lot of importance on that, particularly when he didn't have very much to do. Really, you can only do what he's. You know, you can only beat what's in front of you, and if you're a goalkeeper, you can only save what what's uh, what's fired at you. Um. A kind of base mark I've kind of gone from for seven point five as a base mark, so I think maybe Odebajo it's 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 maybe fairer to give him a seven. Lee's seven point five, just very solid and steady. Um, yeah, it was a good league performance. Yeah, didn't do anything amazing, didn't do anything bad, just uh, worked his way through. Uh, Borna, pretty much same as Lee's, but with an extra sort of half point for that reading of that situation and clearing the ball off the line, which again was key. So I, I'm giving him an eight. Um, 
I'm hopeful. I th- I'm hopeful for them as a partnership. I think it's. I think early doors, but it, it looks like a pretty good pairing, from what I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, Palmer again, sort of seven point five, full of running and pace. Yep. Um, yep. He made an amazing tackle in the second half. Really like brave, almost sort of heart and mouth from the from the stands. But I, I, can, only, <laughs> I can only think he absolutely knew he was going to win the ball but he fully committed inside the box um and almost the player he was up against was going nowhere so it didn't need to happen but it completely Mm. sort of nipped an attack in the bud when they were starting to get a bit of um a head of steam going um so he yeah he had a great game so i felt from the workshop express i um felt that you know wow um jack black and carl gas must be on the pitch because this is some tenacious d Uh, and then you look at the Barnsley backline, and it's like this is just a tribute. Hey, <laughs> yes, and yes, yes and uh, hat on a hat. Um, <laughs> he was fantastic. I would have probably put really Palmer good. Palmer at an eight. I, I think for okay. me, I I'm really, really, I'm really picking up what he's putting down right now. He's just being fantastic. This is it. So this is the you know the whole talk previous to prior in the show talking to about the transfer window. I don't I don't think it's looking too bad at left back. I'm really liking Palmer if he can keep this up. I, I don't think he'll be as good for the entirety of the season. But if it's around, I think even if you prop in the few six point fives and sixes, yeah. Um, as long as he's not making any kind of big rash errors that are costing his games, I'm very happy with him at left back. Me too. Uh, I'm very, very happy with him being part of any kind of back four as it stands, even if he's playing right back or left back. Uh, This is the sort of performance in terms of scoring players. Nobody had a bad game. That's what I was saying. That's the thing with Odebadja. He was he was a big part of a brilliant team performance. They all. It's kind of like picking the shiniest diamond. You know, they're all pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I, it's a bit weird to be assigning a kind of numerical value to to what they did because on the whole, this was just a very, very, very good performance we did exactly what we needed to do we looked good doing it and well that was yeah oh, that was the interesting thing i said when i think i talked last week about the reading game was um individually players were good but collectively defensively it wasn't so great the week mm-hmm. previously yeah so this is, this is nice to have it both both hand in hand with individual performances being great and uh, collectively for that defense was really good. It was, it's great to see us get a clean sheet. Absolutely. No, it's really, it was, it, yeah, it's really good all around. Um, so the next, um, I've kind of bottled things in terms of man of the match, but, um, here we go. So Kieran Lee, I've given, I've given 8.5. Um, mm. Oh, it's so good to see Kieran Lee playing like he's doing. Um, and you can just tell it's like um, a symbiotic thing with him and the crowd as well. Like everyone's so pleased that he's out there doing what he's doing. And he's so pleased that he's out there doing what he's doing. <laughs> and like, I think it showed like after the, after Fletcher's goal, Kieran Lee was in the net, like 
you know, punch in the air with in front of the fans. It's just gonna. I, they, there's, there's the potential for this to be a kind of amazing season for him and the the team because this is. It's like he snatched this amazing opportunity from complete obscurity and, and possible retirement um i think every game he plays is a gift uh a bit like Hutch, mm. i suppose but he's playing like that as well like it's really wonderful to see um he's clearly having the time of his life out there um and i you know he'll he can play better than he played yesterday as well because we've seen it um he had the time of his life and he owes it all the bruise Yes, yeah. And he's doing some uh, No One Puts Kieran in the Corner. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but his, his touch for the, the, the Fletcher goal is those, it, that's that intangible. And um, we talked to, about those kind of um, Carlos aphorisms. The, the honey to the soup one was the one that stuck with me. <laughs> so we talked about meat on the fire. Honey to the soup, I absolutely get. You know, because it's a big thing like with curries, generally if you put like a a tomato in something, tomatoes are pretty sharp, but they're delicious. So you need to pair that with some sweetness. You need to take the edge off. You need to bring the honey to the soup. And I I read that as it is those little little moments between moments that make the big things happen. And that, that little touch from Kieran Lee, it's nothing really. Like Murphy could have passed it straight to Fletcher and we could have probably scored that goal. But the fact that Kieran Lee takes that little touch and then feeds it into Fletcher, it makes it easier for Fletcher. It pulls the man away. And it actually even gave us another option because we could have fed in um, Harris on the on the left of that as well. But it all happens because Kieran Lee takes that t- step, draws a defender away, draws Fletcher's defender away. And moves the goalkeeper. It all happens because of those two little touches. And that is Kieran Lee in a nutshell. That's what he does. That's the honey in the soup. Beautiful. Loved mm. it. So he's, co- he's co-man of the match, I'm going to say. This is why I'm saying I'm bottling it. Um, <laughs> Hutchinson, 7.5. He broke things up. He was sat quite deep, probably because of reach playing. Um, but he played a full part and... Um, had a couple of those wonderful Hutchy moments where he just kind of like mm. somebody, an uh, opposition player was faffing with the ball. He kind of like stood in, took the ball, ran away up the pitch with it. It's just what, it's just what Sam Hutchinson does. It's his bread and butter. Um, similar to Kieran Lee, it's lovely to see him looking so fit and, uh, and enjoying himself. Well, we, we talked about like his goal on his 30th birthday last week and it's um, people talked on social media about, about it, it's just so great to see him. I mean, he's a. We've, we've. I feel we've talked about a few kind of uh, man crushes. Yes. <laughs> Rich and I are pretty cisgender heteronormative, but uh, <laughs> when it when it comes to football, we uh, we do bat our eyelashes at uh, Sam Hutchinson, as most oh, as yeah. most people do. He's, a, he's an attractive man, um, but to see him just with this big, wide genuine full of life smile just being so happy and i mean i know he doesn't score that often and he also gave the quip last week in his post-match interview being like well he, d- he said well i didn't play much under yes yes you know? so yeah. they 
whole stuff with him goading and seemingly falling out with Yos Lukai and uh, more confirmation that Lukai, yeah, didn't really have much of a clue. The fact that, you know, you just had, we, we remember talking last, last season about why isn't Hutch playing? And maybe it was like unlocking some new bumper contracts that we didn't want to do. And purely it was just because the manager didn't like him. Which is so crazy. It's so crazy, but just see him loving himself, like loving, yeah. loving his work and enjoying it, it, it brings a tear to the eye. Yeah, absolutely. Both of the, both of those guys, really. Yeah, Hutch's whole career is, I shouldn't be here, so I'm going to make the most of it. Every tackle is is the epitome of that, isn't it? It's inspirational, um, Rich. Oh, it's really amazing. Yeah. Um, Adam Reach, uh, Greasy Bob. Um, as we've as we've touched on, again, play, I thought he played really well. I think he had a, a, I I can see him really sort of seizing on that as a role if if it comes you know if it, if it comes to the him having to do that more often, it, it feels like actually he's going to be pretty comfortable in 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 grabbing that opportunity. Um, I've given him a seven and docked him half a mark because of his missing his one on one. I think he should have scored it. Um, even though I don't think he did a terrible job with it, he committed to what he wanted to do, but he didn't score and he should have. Um, Murphy, uh, I give him, I've given him an eight, a tremendous so, start. Yeah. Um, I think probably a, a, a result of the uh, the adrenaline dump after his uh, scoring with his first touch, but his next two bits of possession, he looked a bit kind of herky-jerky and a bit kind of uh, unclear of himself. But then he grew into it and it was really nice to see him sort of build into the game. And and I think um, towards the end of the first half, he he had some really good runs and uh, and obviously he sort of was a a big part of us really rattling out of the blocks in the second half as well. So um, just very, uh, very pleasing. I've sort of held him back a little bit score-wise because... uh, I don't think he covered himself in any glory set piece wise, and I, I, I don't. I hope we don't keep, unless he sort of ups his game considerably. I hope we don't keep sort of plugging away at giving him set pieces. Um, mm. He didn't really do much with the ones he had, and there was a couple of really poor sort of bobbly along the ground efforts as well. But uh, I mean, we're also we're also in a position where we're missing Bannon, who's probably exactly. the the first player on a free kick you'd you'd want as yeah. Bannon. He may never he may never take them again if Bannon comes back and plays. Um, but it, it's just worth noting he took several opportunities, including mm. one very good uh, position, um, and didn't really do anything with any of them. Speaking uh, um, speaking of free kicks and a bit of a link up play, I don't know if you're going across the front line, but Fletch Fletch took a free kick. Did Fletch you is up next. Yeah, yeah. He did take a free kick, and he it wasn't really bad. close from where we were. <laughs> I don't it, know. Wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It like yeah. it could have been a lot worse. I thought he was outstanding again. Uh, yeah, he is just again. He's enjoying playing. He, I think this system is built for him, and he he's really thriving on that. Um, and I, I'm sure he was sort of licking his lips at the prospect of going up against that Barnsley defence because they all they all looked pretty meek and young, and Fletcher just <laughs> just bullied them 
all game. I'm sure they were so chuffed when he went off because they didn't get, he just didn't give them any peace all day. And every, he won every header. He, he chested it down if he wanted to. You know, he pretended he was going to run in behind and then went back. Just everything, every trick in the book he was able to pull off. He just looked like a wily old fox against a couple of young pups. And it was, uh, it was a really a joy to behold. <laughs> and his goal was really good. He took that. He was, he was obviously desperate to get on the score sheet and um, took it with, with a plum. It was an absolute peach of a goal. Um, he's just, he's vital. He, how often Fletch is fit and able to play um, sort of more than an hour of football for us is going to be a big, big part of how well we do this season. Mm. I do think he's looks like he's trying to get in the box more often than previously. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably disagree with that. that. He's... But he looks to me like he's like rather than being third or fourth thought, it feels like it's second, you know, second thought after building the play. Do you think that's the that is the this new hopeful touch wood reality of Sheffield Wednesday with this pace is that we've got players up there and he can kind of be in and around and kind of interacting with the players in and around that box because previously we I don't feel we've really kind of had that or maybe the previous kind of formations you don't you we've played the 4-3-3 it's more the 4-5-1 so he's more kind of he's more dropping deep to kind of keep the play going there's also so I, I was sort of getting towards this a little bit with, with Ati Nuiu, um, if you've got no pace, it means that the, the defence can push right up. And we would see that yeah. all the time last season. He pushed right up. So that means when Stephen Fletcher wins the ball, he's just past the halfway line. That's a yep. lot of work to do. And then he's got to get all the way into the box. That's a tough job. And he's not... He's There's not a lot of... Really quick. You, there's a lot of cycling and movement you've got to do in that point. Yeah. You've got to like get the ball back and just keep it ticking along to kind of, you know, it's almost uh, it's almost like the way of yardage, right? It's kind of like you're you're eventually just building, increasing yardage up the pitch. It's a lot of yes, yeah, oh so yeah, lot, very much, very much. So like it's a lot of first and tens and then second and six and then yeah. So the fact that we've got pace means the defence needs to be further back because they can't let you can't let Stephen Fletcher flick it into thirty yards behind you and hope you win a race against Harris or Murphy. You're going to lose that race more often than you win. So yeah, you can't yeah. do that. So it makes it easier. It's an easier job for Fletcher, and it's why I think in time New You might actually have some really nice parts to play in the season because. The standard answer to Nui is you push right up because you can't. He's going to win that first ball, or he's going to make it awkward. It's going to go over your head, or he's going to flick it on. So the standard answer to Nui is is to to uh, to, to push right up so that you do, you're not bothered because he's not going to worry you in behind. But what do you do with Nui when there's pace around him? You're going to be you're going to be sat on your goalkeeper's feet to try and deal with it, and then that's all sorts of issues. Then you've got Adam Reach, you've got Bannon, you've got people shooting from distance. I think mm. I think he could really build. We could build a good game plan around around both the front men, given the fact that we've got the the threat of the pace in behind now. It's a really it's a really good position to be in. Um, and speaking of of pace and threat in behind. Uh, I give Fletcher eight point five. He's for me. He was sort of co-man of the match with Kieran Lee. 
wow. Harris I've given an eight, but he was just a nuisance all game. Uh, the the joke I've written down is uh, just an absolute pain in the Harris. Um, hey. It's more fitting probably for last week with QPR, but you know, um, just yeah, just all, full of running, constantly looking to get try and get behind his man. Um, their right back was was pretty quick, but still got caught out a fair few times by Harris. And I think Bullen sort of touched about it in the post match press conference. It was interesting. Harris more often than not took his man to the byline and tried to play the ball in with his left. Um, he wasn't trying to cut in all the time. Um, but I think that sort of threw the fullback as well. It was almost like he was expecting uh, to get cut inside more than more than happened. And uh, it, it meant that Harris was able to sort of do what he wanted to do almost always. It was it was it was good to see. Um, I did I have made a little sort of caveat note Um I think if if we'd not won, then I suspect there might have been some questions over both him and uh, Murphy in terms of quite how much end product there is. There's a nature, there's a bit of a kind of numbers game nature to being a winger. You know, you're going to run the ball down the wing X amount of times and Y amount of times you'll get the ball, you'll be able to play the cross and how many of those will be good crosses, blah, blah, blah. Um there was a couple of times that that, uh, that Murphy sort of took his man to the byline and then didn't cross and sort of ended up sort of kind of stumbly bumming into the into the fullback or a defender and not really making anything of it. Harris was kind of getting there and then flicking a kind of left-footed crossover, which didn't produce very much. Um, and he also had one opportunity to kind of, if he'd really powered at it one-on-one, it was when Murphy kind of took the ball down on the right wing, ran across the defence and, and fed him in. And essentially, he could have got one-on-one with the keeper, but he seemed to take it onto his left, um, which which left him in a sort of tricky position. He he then wasn't able quite to shoot, and and then he sort of tried to cross, and it didn't really work because the defender was there. So uh, again, we, we're in the situation of shiniest diamonds. <laughs> this is a great performance. Harris was mm. fantastic. Um, I just think there might be days when we're a little bit frustrated that he. he seems more comfortable kind of running himself down a down a down a, an alley and, and making a difficult chance for himself than kind of putting him the pressure on himself of I really should score from this. If he'd run straight at the goalkeeper in that position, he would have made life very difficult for the defenders because they got to cut across him and chances are he gets taken down for a free kick or a penalty. Um if they don't foul him, then he should score. Because he ran, took it on his left foot, it means that you know, either he's pulling out a worldy shot on his weaker foot. It, yeah, like I say, he sort of he sort of fudged that opportunity a little bit. And I, if he does that more often than not, I think we're going to have some days when we're a bit frustrated at his output. But he was great mm-hmm. and a constant thorn in the side of, of Barnsley. So it really is. I'm being nitpicking, but um, I think he's so good that it he sort of you end up nitpicking. He's been so good so far. So it's more of a testament to how good he's been that mm. I'm kind of stretching for any any critique. Do you uh, want to give a quick word about the cameos from the bench? Yeah, we've got Lil Joey. Lil uh, Joey P. Lil Joey P. Uh, brought on fresh legs, got stuck in, uh, provided a sensible outball a couple of times. 
Um, Palmer got a bit bogged down a couple of times and he, uh, he, he sort of made sure he was available for him. I thought it was a nice little, I was surprised he came on when he did and everyone around me thought he was, um, he was Luongo. Um, they do look quite similar and they both wore yellow boots. Um, uh, it's not they're helpful. Both, um, they're both of a similar kind of skin complexion, aren't they? And dark haired and similar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but no, I thought he, he did a he did a good job when he came in, and I think, as I said, I, I've got a bit of time for him. I think he does that job. He he'll happily sort of come in and do it. He doesn't seem to have much ego about him. Um, I, I think he's a fairly solid player. Sorry, <laughs> the continual disappointments of uh, me by Rich's admiration for Joey Pelopesi. <laughs> But it's fine. As long as he's not someone, I, I don't think we'll ever. You know, we talk about options, we talk about numbers. I can't see us looking to depend on him. He'll he'll get a few starting berths this season, but I don't think he'll. Uh, I, he's not going to be a first name on a team sheet, right? No, never. But I think he's he's a good guy to have around. He can do a few things, and he'll do yeah. he'll do all right when he needs to. Um, my. And this is a bit preempted, but my one note I've written for Rhodes was um, he showed how good Fletcher is. Um, Luongo, yeah. I've put I've put a mouth watering cameo. Um, <laughs> looks, like he, looks like he loves a tackle. Um, it was action mass, wasn't it? It was. It was action mass. That's a town in near Boston, isn't it? I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> so, in terms of uh, going forward and 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 not getting too carried away, one of the phrases that I heard at the ground and I've read on Twitter again and again is that now um, it's the case that it's Bullen's job to lose. Um, he did a pretty great job of kind of straight batting the questions after the match um, to the point where he made a, a bit of a quip. So he sort of asked. Uh, um, he sort of said, "Oh, we're really only concentrating on on Millwall the next game. That's all I've got to do. Is we'll be back in on Monday. We'll be preparing for Millwall." And then they they said, "Oh, and will that be the decider of uh... <laughs> <laughs> that be the decider of whether whether or not you uh, you get the job?" He's like, "Well, I, I don't see whether I don't see uh, you know I don't see that Millwall have anything to do with whether or not I get the job." Or so he, he did a good job. He did. He um, but. The, so I think it's a question worth answering. Is is it Bullen's job to lose? I think we've sort of shown our hand a little bit that we we wouldn't mind that if that's the case. Yeah. At what stage do you think it becomes silly that he's not been named the manager? I don't. I don't think that we, and I don't think that Chancery is putting any great time limit on. This is a X number of match trials. I no. think it's more. You know, he is an interim manager. And uh, the great thing I think we found, and uh, football fans always say this, um, and I'm glad that following Steve Bruce uh, slivering and sliving out of the club (laughs) off the road. I just wish you'd say what you really think about Steve Bruce. I'm implying, listener, that he is a snake. Um, which a lot of people have said. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just copying, and a lot of people 
joke, jokes on that one. Anyway, but he's left, you know, in Bruce coming in, the thing that was great, I did listen to an interview with Bruce the other day, which was, um, you know, he was interviewed for Five Live and he talked about like, was it, I can't apologize for being selfish. Yes. Uh, you can. <laughs> Let me tell you this, Steve, you can. Like, I understand how much you want this and like, I understand what it means to you. But the way in which it went down, like, you know, I, I don't think he's, it made me a little bit easier about his kind of situation, his exit from the club. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, has been, is that for the uh, a Bullen has a slightly different flavor. You know, his Bullen berries are slightly different to the Bruce berries <laughs> of the management that we've had. So, uh, you know, I understand and I've seen, um, I talked about uh, the Twitter gentleman, Peter Lohman, who did. I don't know if you remember, but when, we, when it was the, um, the caretaker period, for um, Bullen where we played West Brom and some of the tactically what we were doing and, and it was very similar to a, a goal that was Espanol it was to do with okay. um, I can't recall but anyway there's um, some of that kind of management is slightly probably different but there are some kind of maybe one or two kind of similarities we seem to be playing and employing a high press uh, we've got the pace the thing that I was saying in relation to Bruce is while it could be a bit different some of the some of the foundations have been put in place from Steve Bruce, which I think is something that hopefully we have to be thankful for. Yes. Um, even though the way things went down and it was upsetting, um, the positives were it seems to be like Bruce has put a few things in place. He's brought in Ojabajo and Harris, uh, maybe to a degree Borna. We're not entirely sure about that. might seem something which is connected with some agents, but it's working out so far. And then seemingly... Bullen has just picked up with that and ran with it. And then, thankfully, I think the thing that a lot of people were worried about, which was like, oh, you know, a couple of weeks saying, you know, a new manager comes in, they're not going to have time to look at the team and assess the squad and see what we're missing. But effectively, yeah. effectively, we've had the hallmarks in place through the two coaches that I think um, Bruce has left, uh, the two, tra you know, transfer scouts, uh, scouts that... Uh, identified for recruitment that yeah, Bruce has played. Yeah. probably had like a say in that. I don't think Bullen is, um, he's certainly not a dummy. Let's be honest. I think the thing that people were probably a little bit, um, maybe a touch disrespectful to Lee is that maybe they think that he doesn't really have the connections in the game for kind of bringing in insidings. And maybe he's not the, the name that kind of attracts or has those, that, that, that network. But I'm not sure if it really matters so much. No, so I the, think that's the big thing, it is. It is. So the big thing has been the fact that, like, effectively, we we haven't been. And I, I'm kind of echoing the thoughts of Alan Biggs, who said this, which is like, what a what a huge benefit it is to Wednesday to have someone like Bullen, who's been around, who knows the place you know, who's been a part of the infrastructure yeah. in so many different capacities. He gets a degree of the culture and he can just kind of come and take over that caretaker manager and you're not panicking. You're not giving it to previous years. You're not doing something that you're giving it to even someone as illustrious who's going to have a, a decent, very decent career in management like Sean McCauley over at uh, the Portland Timbers. Uh, but it's it doesn't feel... It, it doesn't feel like you're giving it to someone who's really lesser. I think we've clamored for a name because we, we want that kind of big identity 
and the big push. Um, but having this period to give it on a temporary basis to Bullen, and however long that lasts for, I don't think we're in any rush to appoint Bullen. But I, I do think if things carry on, there is going to be a point where we're like, when are we going to appoint Bullen? And right now, it, it is looking that way. It's only two games into the season. Like we said, we could be getting a bit carried away that we've won against two teams that we think we're probably going to win against anyway. Um, but the football looks good. The squad is good. There seems to be there seems to be a togetherness within the squad. I think Bullen does a lot to kind of promote that. Uh, I think the players love him. The only question has always been... The only question has always been for us, Rich, and that we talked about previously, and you've brought up brilliantly before, which is what happens when times go bad. Yeah. But I think the more we're seeing of Bullen, sorry, I'll just finish over here. The more we're seeing of Bullen, the more I think that he definitely deserves a crack of the whip at this. Yes. He actually, uh, there's a quote, there was a quote in the Yorkshire Post uh, a a few days ago where Bullen said, I suppose I've created an atmosphere where I'm a friend first and a boss second, which (sighs) has its upsides, but also does worry me for those, those, those darker times. But I just think you're getting to a point now where barring something crazy happening, he's going to be named the boss. And if he's going to be named the boss, why not just do it? It may it will give him a a boost to his kind of ego and stature in the in the dressing room. Um, it, it provides a bit of reassurance for everybody. It stops people kind of just talking about the manager position. Um, but seemingly, I don't think there's a rush because there's not been any great um, like the news on that's gone so quiet, right? I know, but it's just I'm just looking ahead to fixtures, so. Let's say we get a result at uh, Millwall. I mean, again, it's another team that we probably think will struggle, but it's another victory or another or or a draw at a hard away ground. Um, I, I'm just, I, I suppose, I'm just looking at it and, and just thinking like, it doesn't seem fair to <laughs> to Lee Bullen and the team to stay in this continual like, oh mate, well, it's you are, but you're not, but you are. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just thinking. I'm just trying to think ahead to a point of, well, what game would you then? So th- then we've got Luton at home, we've got Preston away, QPR uh, at home, Huddersfield. But away. I, I don't think there's a perfect time for that though. No. To go, I, I see your point, but I, I don't think it never seemed that way when Stuart Gray came in and did the caretaker manager and made it his own. Um. It, it it fell at one point a question of when, but it, it, it didn't seem, the pressure didn't really seem there to kind of when to pull the trigger at the point him. Oh, I don't know. I think it got to the point where it was almost ridiculous. I'm sort of, Stuart Gray is the worry, I think, to me, to me anyway, because he would just put together such a string of great results that we were, you were just like, well, what, what's he going to have to do now to get the job? Why is he... And it and it got to that sort of tenor with the interviews with him, you know. It's like, what's going on? Is is Manu crazy? <laughs> not giving you the job? And I was like, stop. Yeah. Stuart Gray is not going to be able to answer this question. I sort of no. butchered Bullen's um, 
very good response. So he was he, he was asked about the the job, and he said, "What I will say is, we're now in preparations for for Millwall next week." And then the next question was, "Are you having any discussions with the board?" And he said, "I won't be speaking to the board about Millwall. No." <laughs> um, <laughs> he did a Classic. great job. I I well, I've gone full circle. I was I was really worried about Bullen getting the job. Um, I still have question marks, but I, there's nothing outside of. There's no options outside that don't have question marks. So I think we should give him the job and 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 just see how he gets on. If sure. we end up in a position where we're looking for a new manager around Christmas time, that could be happening with literally anybody. None of the other options are guaranteed. No. Other, no. other than that we'd be paying them more and the payoff would be more, so probably we couldn't get rid of them <laughs> because of yeah. um, profit and sustainability. And then the you know the 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 only thing that we said disappointing before is it'll be a really as a Wednesday fan with a very you know very sentimental sentimentality towards mm. players and figures and like people who are mildly iconic during periods of times. If we if we ever have to sack and say goodbye to Lee Bullen, it'll be a really sad day. Um, yeah, <laughs> wow. absolutely. Oh, he's. I, yeah, he's he's totally bought himself an awful lot of uh, good goodwill at this football club. Goodwill, yeah. He's a, he just seems like a great guy. Um, yeah, I just I did feel that the one time that I had my picture taken with him before a Wednesday game when it was me and you, we went and we we were in the, uh, the executive suite. Oh yes, to look at me an ele- element of contempt that I was a grown man wanting a picture with a. <laughs> I'm not a child, you know. People who should be having their picture taken. With the... But anyway, I, so, uh, uh, minor, no, I'm sure, minor comment. I'm sure, there was no contempt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that's probably us, Luke. This is a this, this has been a bumper. Breaking. This has been a bumper episode. Uh, well, the, the future episodes won't be anywhere near this long. No, I think um, it's going to be a bit more the, the Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan esque lamps. Yeah, Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you know? Do you know how crazy nature is, Rich? Oh. do you know? Like, you know a gorilla or... will literally rip your head off your shoulders. Did you know that? There's a YouTube video. Um, anyway, right, we're not. We're we're brought to you by Onnit, um, <laughs> series of. We're also going to have sponsorship for uh, boner pills throughout the episode as well. <laughs> Snake oil for the 21st century. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, it's been a treat. Yeah, as I think as the season goes on, we'll probably there'll be a bit more of a perfunctory nature to uh, to the episodes. But um, the tremendous transfer window and uh, and a great performance. You don't get many weeks like those as a Wednesday fan. So you don't. So there, there won't be. Yeah. Good to die. Three hour length episodes, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, um, yeah, cheery, cheery bye, Luke. Have a good week. Have a great week, Rich. Have a good one. Cheerio. See you, mate. I'm outside Sheffield Wednesday's home ground, Hillsborough Stadium, trying to piece together another fascinating mystery. And of all places, it starts here on the bridge outside the South Stand looking at all of the bins. A couple of years ago, 
Eagle or Owl-Eyed Sheffield Wednesday fans noticed a new sponsor appearing around the stadium. On the website, in the award-winning Wednesday matchday programmes, on season tickets, and yes, on the wheelie bins too. Not a known brand or household name, but an exciting and enigmatic new venture, D-Taxis. The branding spoke of untold luxury, suave gold glittering against a black background, a website, a Facebook page, a phone number, all pointing to a coming day. Soon. You could feel the tech billionaires behind Uber quaking in their boots. But just as swiftly as it arrived, it also appears to have left, with the club announcing a different taxi company as their official lift provider for the 2019-2020 season. Where does that leave D-Taxis? This Zelig-like figure of the club's recent past? Is it gone for good, or will it rise again like the proverbial phoenix? We'll find out all of this and much, much more in my new podcast series, The Last Days of D-Taxis. Please join me on the Ear Owl Network. I promise it will be worth the ride. Last Days of D-Taxis is written and recorded by me, John Ronson, with Plinky Plonky Music, specially recorded by my son, Joel.